Gundam. He's not welcome here. You got to call yourself Gundam. In his house. A bullet in the head will really mess up your extensions. All right, everybody, welcome back to episode 33 of Gundam at MAHQ, and uh, this is one of your hosts, Neil Lornoak, and I'm always joined by my two wingmen, and those would be... Sobro Ryu. And... Chris. This is kind of a landmark episode, because we're going to be finishing up our reviews of the end of Mobile Suit Gundam 00, uh, reviewing episodes 19 through 25, and also kind of having a little introspective of our thoughts of um, both season one and season two, and... And uh, this also will be the final segment of Gundam Roundup because we're not going to be doing a roundup on Double O because we've been doing reviews for Double O for the last year and a half. And uh, we'll be once again joined by everybody's favorite hater, the General, General Austin from the Hatagon down there in Hate Valley, Florida. Actually, I heard Austin's made a lot of troll kills lately. So he's achieved A status, joining myself and Chris in uh, troll kills. So I just want to congratulate the general for that. Before we begin, Solbro, anything's coming from the land of the Solbro? Because we know you do talk about yourself in the third person. Now. I do. How is I the Solbro doing? He's living. Okay. He, he's living every day like it's his last. All right. <laughs> Chris, anything else before I jump into some uh, new stuff here? Any new things? Are you sick of seeing emails marked password issues? <sighs> if I see another email marked password issue, I'm going to slip my wrists. Oh, Boy Wonder wanted you to know that his password isn't working. Well, that's too bad for him. Hey, it's not like he posts anyway. Oh, dang. He is a lurker. Sorry, Boy Wonder. Sorry. Well, <laughs> the password issue's been fixed, so it doesn't matter anymore. You can still log in again. So Nice. No nice. problem. Well done. Because of the amount of uh, review and the uh, amount of the reviews and you know the time in this episode, we're going to be kind of taking a little break on some of the news. Plus, there's not really too much going on right now. So I only got a couple of uh, listener-submitted news articles. And once again, I always uh, appreciate these, and I want to thank everyone that posts. And you can always post an article at the Neo's News listener-submitted news articles thread in the Mecha Talk uh, forum in the Gundam section. So... Uh, the first one's actually from a, uh, wow, this is kind of weird to see this name, uh, Genocide. He actually brought a, gave us a link to the Nigi Hong blogspot. I guess, I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. I'm probably destroying it as everybody's, as you always, as I always do with these Asian names <clears throat> with my horrible Canadian South Florida accent. So there's actually, and I'm sure Chris might know a little bit more about this. We know that there's been the announcement of the Double O movie after the final episode of Double O, but it looks like, and hopefully, I don't I think this will be happening after this episode's released, but uh, on April 25th, there's going to be a big announcement in Gundam Unicorn Volume 8. Uh, Chris, do you know anything about that, or are you kind of much in the, the same vein as everybody else? Uh, supposedly announcement of a unicorn movie, but uh, I'll believe it when I see it. Okay. And that's pretty much the what is on this link here. Of course, this was an article relating to both uh, Unicorn Volume 8 and the Double O movie. 
Double O movie, of course, is confirmed for 2010. We just don't know the exact date yet because I'm sure they're still probably trying to figure that out. But um, the Volume 8 of Gundam Unicorn will be out on April 25th in Japan. And they're supposedly, from what it says here, quote, it's going to feature a huge announcement regarding the series. Remember, it won't be a TV show because the director of Sunrise said, no, t- no Gundam for you in 2009. <laughs> so <laughs> thank you, Mr. Genocide, for your submission. Another article here, and this kind of goes into the WTF and oh. kind of the kind of a scary article here too. Also, because um, I think of the last episode of Battlestar Galactica when I read about this, uh, our our man Furious Rodimus posted oh. an article from the Anime News Network about a Japanese man built an 11 meter long, 15 ton beetle robot. What? Yeah, it is a man named Hitoshi Takahashi. He's a 60-year-old man who built a 15-ton walking beetle robot in his garage in uh, the eastern Japanese prefecture of Erebuki. And it's called the Kantabum RX-03. So it's the third one that he's built. It's about 11 meters long, 9.5 meters wide, and it's his biggest one yet. It took him 11 years of his life to build this robot. (laughs) And uh, it's controlled from a cockpit. With or within, or, or, and with, uh, with a radio controller. So, um, man, between that and the giant mecha spider they built in France, man, we, we might be yeah, in danger. There's <laughs> actually they actually have a picture of it. There's even a YouTube video of it. Cool. It, it's very interesting and very disturbing in the same point. So, um, I don't know if it's like a leftover prop from the Transformers movie or something <laughs> like that. Where, where can I get mine? I don't know, man. I want to drive around in that thing. Yeah, really. Get that, a, that'll get really a, make it easy for uh, rush hour traffic in the morning. <laughs> get a normal spoon. Hey, old lady, get out of my way. <laughs> this is Larry King. I got to get to work. Interesting when I need to have a valet parked. Exactly. <laughs> oh, man. I wonder if it's key driven. If you need a key or there's a code or one of those cool new uh, keys where you, it's push button start and you just need the... That might be the thing in your pocket. And it that might be the. It's probably it's probably very easy to steal. <laughs> well, it's a mech, so all mechs yeah. have to be easy to steal. Keep- I mean, why else would you have a military, a billion dollar military secret, <laughs> and put a security system on it? That, that could be the start of keys no. in the ignition. Yeah. Oh man. No low jack. <laughs> all right, I got me a robot. Oh yeah. <laughs> Get her done. Sweet. Uh, I definitely would, um, and like Chris said, if there's a YouTube video on it, I'm, I'm going to have to go home and check that out because I, I didn't see any of the YouTube video. But very interesting, very disturbing, but very interesting too. So, last listener submitted news article here is from the Deuce Bonzo. And this is coming from the Anime News Network, and there's going to be a Full Metal Panic movie. But the good thing is, I don't know who this guy is, um, <laughs> Zach Efron. He, I guess this says here he's from High School Musical, Hairspray, 17 again. I don't know what those are. I know a high school musical. Because you're an old man, that's why. He well. is he is the heartthrob in Hollywood right now for these jits. I mean, these um these young titty boppers. <laughs> they love this guy. and um, I don't have to relive high school. Uh, you, ain't, you don't have to, trust me. I, it, it was, I'm sorry, it was, I know. High school was good to me, so I don't have to relive it in a in a movie. I don't even know who he is. I don't like him. Get off my lawn. Oh, my <laughs> goodness. Is that is that Larry? <laughs> Get off my lawn! No, I'm Larry. Damn kids! <laughs> what are you, precious Roy? This sack Afron. <laughs> but uh, no, I, no. I guess there was some oh, um, probably rumors that this guy was going to be the lead, which is so scary. Which I don't even know what this guy looks like. What is he? Is he like a blondie or something? No, no, he's he's got brown hair. Oh, okay. Um, he just he's a pretty boy, man. 
Sosuke was rugged. He had the scar on his face. That's right, man. He came hard. He no, he did not look like a pretty boy at all. There's going to be a live-action movie, I take it, of Mandalay Pictures has the right to adapt Full Metal Panic into a live-action movie. It says here, quote, while Zach had acknowledges that he did have a meeting or something on something for the project, you know, the project is to the point where it's not going to happen, and he, oh boy, this is bad. Uh, he's a huge comic book and manga fan since he was 10 years old, so that's always bad. Wow. So that means he might be in other things. So, I know um, he's, he's slated to be um, Johnny Quest. He just got, they made that official just the other day, but the live action of that is actually is, is this, uh, it's, it's is this Hollywood reporter at MHQ? I'm just letting you know he's got a Thank career in adaptations. <laughs> light Yagami. Is he going to be the Light Yagami? That's an internet joke. Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> but it's like all the. Zach Efron is Kira. It's a joke started up by uh, by somebody. It's not real. That's hilarious. It's, it's amusing. It's oh. got Photoshop pictures. Go check it out. <laughs> okay, I guess I I'll will. check that out. There's no dates or anything when this movie is going to be done, but development hell. Yeah, de- exactly. It's like Robotech. Oh, it'll 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 be out it'll be out uh, right after that Robotech and Evangelion movie. <laughs> Damn, <laughs> you breaking my heart. Oh, the Evangel- and, oh or and the um, Battle Angel Alita movie that James Cameron's doing. Oh, you I see know. It? It'll be out right after all of those. <laughs> that movie will never come. Yeah, just like a Spider-Man movie didn't. Thankfully. <laughs> That's it on the news. Um, once again, I'd like to just thank everybody that submits. And, you know, if you have any kind of news articles, hard news or, or any type of what WTF that, you know, goes along the lines of what we talk about here. And pretty much just look at the past submissions. You'll, you'll know what we put up there. Definitely post it in the Gundam section of the Mecha Talk forum in the newest listener submitted news articles thread. So uh, any of you guys have any final thoughts before we move on to an all Gundam episode of Gundam? Nope. Okay, with that, we'll be uh, going to our first uh, segment. You're listening to Gundam at MAHQ. All right! Knock the shoes off! I have been having a very bad day! Just got out of jail this morning. Already I have been shot at. I was on the bus that flipped over 17 times. Bitch tried to stab me in the bathroom. Somebody blew up my Porsche. I am in a bad goddamn mood. Now, I usually don't jump in when somebody's getting beat down, but this man, Jack Cates, is going to help me straighten out the rest of my day. Now, I suggest you all back up and let us go about our business. Because you got a gun? No, because I have a gun and I pop a cap in your ass. Need a cake, but you don't want something boring from the local supermarket or bakery? In the South Florida area, try EpicSugarWorks.com. This bakery specializes in creating cakes based off of your favorite anime series, video game character, or whatever custom design you're looking for. Their online store also features anime and video game themed chocolate lollipops, as well as gift certificates if you want to give something to somebody. So if you're looking for a cake that's above the norm, go to EpicSugarWorks.com. It's epically delicious. I have something here for you. Your father wanted you to have this when you were old enough, but your uncle wouldn't allow it. He feared you might follow old Obi-Wan on some goddamn fool idealistic crusade like your father did.
Welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. Just as you expected, we're continuing our reviews of Mobile Suit Gundam 00 Season 2. Uh, this time, we're starting off with Episode 19, Shadows of the Innovators. Some of the things that happen this episode, um, it kicks off with the Vaughn Traps on the run. That's right, Klaus stays at the cabin defending the kids and Marina as uh, Sheeran helps them escape. Celestial Being, they move out with their counterattack. As you remember in the last episode, A-Laws was um, raiding the, the Tolling Mayas. And Soma apparently is out for blood, and she confronts and Andre in this episode. Setsuna, he is apparently is the GN matchmaker, as he fights Louise, and both Louise and Saji catch a contact high from the GM particles that are coming out the double O. During that time, Big Bad Hallelujah returns, and he's cutting up grunts. Saji and Louise, during this time, attend uh, GN couples counseling, where they talk out their different positions in the um, conflict that's going on between them, and the roles in the two different units that they are a part of. Louise eventually ODs on Saji's love though and then she has another mind raping migraine Tierra gets some during the battle and he takes out the Gadessa and captures Revive Revival Saji calls time out yelling out um, that nothing will change and that catches the attention of all the celestial being pilots thinking that no matter how far this war progresses nothing will change Graham all the while is overlooking the battle and Sheeran sends Marina and the kids packing to the new hideout while she um, heads off to go meet up with Klaus back on the ship Saji is not deterred from his mission of uh, reuniting with Louise and tells Satsuna that um, he's going to continue fighting in order to be with her. Andre stews in his own juices while Louise grieves back on their ship. Revive is interrogated by the crew of the Ptolemaeus and during that time a new rebels and I gotta say that Lasse is the hardest man alive because he goes through all sorts of torture all the time and a new shoots him. Ribbon of course talks about wanting the double O again and Slaps Regine for his um, insubordination, working behind his back to uh, usurp um, ribbons. Wang is still holding on to the vital info during the time that Nina hijacks her ship and takes over her um, ship's OS with Veda. And Nina starts to get book wild on Wang's ship when she um, starts uh, attacking him. And that's where the episode ends. What are you guys' thoughts on this up? Pretty decent episode. Um, you know, uh, quite a few things going on here. We see, you know, the, the whole situation with um, Cateron basically still being on the run. Um, you know, Marina's taking care of the kids and, you know, there comes a point where it almost seems like, uh, when Sharon and them are running, they, she almost want, it almost seems like she just wants to kind of, my impression, she wants to kind of leave Marina behind because Marina just, you know, she's just not going to fight. She's not going to fight. She's not going to do anything. She's just there to protect the kids and, you know, to, you know, she's still kind of in shock of all the things that have happened to her. Other than that, you know, same old stuff with the, with the innovators trying to get the double O and, um, you know, the whole thing with crazy Nana, uh, blowing up, um, you know, Wang and, oh, and Wang. Hong Long in there and, you know, old Hong Long, uh, you know, <laughs> loyal to the end, you know, jumps in, jumps in front. So, uh, you know, Wang doesn't get hit with the brunt of the explosion. So, but, uh, you know, pretty decent episode. Definitely setting up for this uh, final push as we're getting close to the, uh, the final five episodes of the show. So just a decent episode. Um, nothing much more. Chris? Uh, well, it's definitely bringing some things to a head that have been simmering for a while. The a new innovator plot, her finally being awakened as an innovator. One thing that I got to say that this show has been doing quite a bit lately and it annoys me. <laughs> I just hate cliffhangers of guns being shot. Yeah. Every it's really old and tired, and this show's already done it like two or three times just this season. Oh, wow. <laughs> Every <laughs> once in a while, 
Yeah, one or two times. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that. It, it, it starts to, to get a little old after a while. It starts to lose its effect. Yeah, because the episode before this, they did it with like the cliffhanger of, yep. did some guy shoot Marina? Yeah. And it's like, no, they got shot. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, big surprise. So... Yeah, that, that, that's kind of annoying. It's like, please, please stop doing that. And it's like, you know it's going to happen one more time before the show ends because it does. So that, that annoys me, and I wish oh, they no. wouldn't do this. It's just a, it's just a tired device. And it, it, like you said, it works well when used sparingly. The and shark. used in the right context, too. It's, it's one yeah. of these things where it's like sometimes you can go to the well one too many times with something. Yeah, it's like she's sitting next to Lasse. And she fires. Who is she going to hit at point-blank range? Yeah. Uh, Haro, I don't know. Hey, man. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it only works in certain circumstances. Like, if it's a large crowd and you don't know who's getting shot. If it's a guy yeah. who's, getting, who's sitting two feet from you in the driver's seat of the ship, yeah. you know who's getting shot. Exactly. Anything you like about this episode? <laughs> no, I do like the episode. I just, yeah. that, that, yeah, I know. That, that trope annoys me. I like the, the surprise ending with um, Nana coming out to get her revenge on Wang. Oh, yeah. And it's just this season, I dislike Wang so much because she's such a manipulative bitch who thinks that she's so special, as evidenced by her reaction when she's getting shot at and, and you know, she just can't process the fact that maybe she's going to die. Yeah, the fact that somebody would just, actually want to kill her, you know. Yeah, and would dare to. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, she, she just can't believe that she's getting shot at. And not that Nana's one to talk because she's, she's a freaking hypocrite too, but Wang definitely uh, is, is a bad person. And, uh, yeah, she deserves to uh, get what's coming to her. The only yeah. one that doesn't deserve that is Hong Long. He's just cool. Yeah, but he he's, kind of, he's kind of an idiot, though, too, because he was loyal to the end. Yeah. And I don't know. It's well, he, he's kind of damned. Well, that's for another episode. Oh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, any other thoughts, you guys, on this episode? Not really. Is, do, do you like this episode, Silbro? Because <laughs> that's the new standard of all reviews. Is I enjoy it. likes the episode. I we have to it. move on. Then, okay, I guess we can move on, right? The episode yes, 20, can. which is called Fire. A New Return. And pretty much uh, picking up from episode 19, we see the little confrontation with Sumeragi, the Meisters, and Revive. They're trying to find out where Veda is. Revive doesn't know. And, you know, just kind of playing all the little innovator mind games that these guys like to do. Feltz calls to let Sumeragi know that uh, Anu's an innovator and she basically committed mutiny and took little Milena hostage and that she's going down to the hangar bay to get the double O Gundam. Uh, they actually loaded up on there, but then they're confronted by an armed Soma. During this time, too, the ship is being affected by a virus, so all kinds of crazy little stuff is going on. Anu and Revive do eventually escape the Ptolemaeus uh, without the double uh, O, but Revive does manage to steal the O-Riser, and Anu's in, in like a little small shuttle, and of course the Meisters launch, and then the double O, they hit the docking sequence of the O-Riser, and it ejects everything, and Revive can't get out of there. Later on, we see that the Ptolemaeus is recovering from the computer virus, and you know everybody's having this shock thing about you know, the whole thing about Anu, they're like, you know, we can't believe that she uh, be, you know, she was so nice, but now she's so evil. And oh, yeah. <laughs> Another classic trope. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And as they're kind of discussing this, uh, some more mobile suits come in, and it's Hilling and Revive, and a Garzo, and a Gadessa. And uh, Luis is in there, as in that new, like, Ragnant. look, Ragnant, the kind of crabby-looking thing. And a news and a Gadess. And so once again, all the Meisters launch. There's quite a bit of fighting going on. Poor Lock-On's trying to talk to Anu, trying to get her back to the way she is. Uh, we go through the old, if we're going to go on uh, Gundam tropes on this one, uh, the old trope of like she kind of breaks the spell and she's back to the normal girl. Oh. 
And then, of course, Setsna comes by with the double O with uh, a, a healthy dose of GM particles to make everybody nice and uh, loopy. And they start talking, and then once again, she uh, regresses back to her, her original programming and, um, you know, attacks. Uh, but, you know, in the split second there, Setsna attacks her, and then, you know, she's talking with Lock-On, and then she pushes him away as the uh, Gades blows up. Then all of a sudden, it ends with Setsna thinking that he's hearing Marina singing again. The end. The end. Yeah. Any thoughts on uh, episode 20, guys? I can tell you what, man. Sasuna can take a punch repeatedly. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I got to say, um, of course, this episode we've all been looking forward to, the um, dramatic episode of the two lovers versus each other. Yeah. Oh, my God, dude. Fourth relationship, dude. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Totally fourth relationship. She writing, horrible writing, terrible writing, no writing, lack of writing. These guys have absolutely no talent. I would have not have done it like this. I would not have developed this relationship like this. Well, I, all I can say is Red Horror earned his colors this episode. Yeah. When he, <laughs> when he just kind of pops up. When he fights Revive off. Yeah. Although Revive did one of the coolest things ever. He freaking blasted the inside of that cockpit and got the hell out. <laughs> that like, is true. Well, you know what? F y'all. <laughs> and just yeah, got, fix this. Here you go, Ian. Have some more extra work to do. Well, he just shot the panel up, man. Yeah. <laughs> Too cool. Well, but, at least, um, at least uh, flat panels should be cheaper in the 23rd century. And they are now. <laughs> Ribbons, the douchebag puppeteer, he, he kind of just messed up the whole love connection between Lock-On and Anu. But, um, hey, he's, he's a space-age cock blocker. He is. He is. And sets in as the Grim Reaper of love. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I do find it funny, though. The one thing I do have kind of a problem with this is that, and I, I know it's because of the whole thing with Anu, mm-hmm. but I found it kind of funny that here Setsna is going to help Saji find Luis, who's been trying to kill them nonstop throughout the whole season. <laughs> but the one time that Anu snaps, he has no problem taking her out. It, there, there's an imbalance there, I'll be the first it to is, say. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I won't make excuses for that. Uh, no. But you know what? I, under, I understand the reason, it, but it, what, it, it was though, just if, a little funny. If there was a similar situation and Setsuna had to kill Luis, I'm sure he would have done it. Must have Saji's chagrin. I mean... Louise has been lucky. She's just been lucky because the situations they got into, she has been able to live because, you know, things played out better for her than poor Anu. But, Chris, what were you going to say? I'm sorry. Well, I was going to say, you know, in, in response to that, you know, they don't know what Louise's situation is. They just yeah. think that she's being confused. They don't know that she's under that same innovator control thing, you know, that Ribbons can take control of her. And since Ribbons can take control of any of these innovators, you know, there's not much you can do about that. No, yeah, I know. True. I, 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 so, it's, it's not a bid nit- nitpick, but I was just kind of sitting there and I'm like, wow, you know, the whole situation of, you know, for, for throughout the whole second season, Luis is trying to go after them. She's actually, you know, had some conversations with them the first time a new kind of screws up. <laughs> and you can definitely see she was trying to fight off the, the control, a little mind control that, um, you know, I, I, ribbons has but I, other than that it's oh believe me it's not like it's the suck and they're the hor- most horrible writers and oh, man. you know th- th- this is that. what happens when you force relationships <laughs> upon you're, us you're breaking these trolls hearts man you're yeah. breaking well them. it's it's one of those situations where it's like someone gets to a point of like no return yeah sort of like like a rosamia badam like yeah that chick got so crazy that, that at the end it's like what choice do you have yeah. oh yeah you know as yeah. long as ribbons is alive yeah, there's nothing can, they could have done for a new so yeah, yeah she can always she can always turn you we know, practically even, even if you capture her and 
you know, keep her in a locked cell. She, who knows what she's able to do. Yeah, but at the time they had no idea what was making her change. And if if she had actually got locked up in the cell and then Ribbons died, and then everything like I said, right. it wasn't a huge nitpick. I was just sitting there and I'm like, oh. no, do you? <laughs> no, I went on I went on 45 forums and I sat there and I'm like, what? WTF? Gundam O is double O is definitely the suck now. <laughs> what impressed me kind of was lock on the fact that he was fighting her, you know, mm-hmm. given that in these situations, usually these guys are left like not knowing what the hell to do. Yeah. And he pretty much beat her down. And even though the Keratin was pretty wrecked. Yeah. yeah. So he, he had some some fancy moves there with the Trans Am and with the, uh, the shield bits. He's a much more talented up close with his with his suit than his brother was. I got to yeah. say. Yeah. He's, more, he's yeah. more of the he's more of the melee. Yeah. The he likes those uh, those pistols. He sure does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was a that was a good point that you brought up there cuz yeah, normally we see this and it's like the pilot kind of loses all sense of reality there for a second. He's like, "Oh, I can't do this." But no, he you know, he's like, "Look, <laughs> I got a survival instinct definitely kicked in on him. Also, uh, again, Red Haro definitely scores points for, for uh, taking down Revive. Yeah, and, right. And ruining his little clever plan. Also, as I noted in, in my review on the site, uh, Setsuna has he's got some pretty interesting um, ways of disarming hostage situations. It's just, you know, shoot the hostage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> that was too cool. It, it worked, but it was amusing. Hey, man, he, he learned from the master. Ali. Yeah, I guess so, but Ali would aim for the head. So, well, yeah. Because he doesn't care. Also, I, I like that, you know, at the end, you know, Lakon has his confrontation with Setsuna, and he's, like, beating him down, that it kind of just ends there, mm-hmm. whereas in a, uh, a crappier show, <coughs> Destiny, Ooh. Uh, this would have turned into, like, you know, a multi-episode obsession. Oh, God, yeah. The character just can't get over and just goes into a complete rage and completely blinds him. <coughs> so I'm glad that Double <laughs> O, you know, did it and then didn't dwell on it. At the same way, you know, in season one, when uh, Neil found out that Setsuna was part of the organization that killed his family, yeah. you know, he didn't become, like, so obsessed with it that he held on to it for, like, the rest of the show. He, he let it go. They handled it well, then that, and that, there. That's been the good thing about the Meisters, all five of them now, you know, the five different Meisters that we've seen. They, you know, they have their issues, they have these things, and it, it does affect them, but they get the big picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, they don't hold on to childish grudges the yeah. way that, you know, some people do. <coughs> oh, hey, man, that was a cute pink phone he had. That's a creepy phone that he kept obsessing over. So yeah, yeah. I got to agree. Listening to <laughs> that's, her. That's a sister complex if ever there was any, but we already talked about that show. Yeah. So, Sobro, did you like this episode? I did. And the moral of this episode is, and this episode just reinforces the fact that if Don't you love be an someone. Innovator. If, no, if you love someone in a Gundam series, you shut the F up. <laughs> Yes, don't ever, don't ever talk about it. <laughs> you, you, oh yeah, I mean, that was declared to the world. What was that? That was what it, two episodes ago. Two episodes ago, but it, yeah. it came to fruition here. Well, you he knew. Jinxed it. He the, jinxed it all right there. The golden oh, yeah. rule was broken, when, especially when you let the whole ship know. Yeah. It's like, whoa! Yep. It's like, man, you got Yikes. some balls, lock on. Sorry for you, <laughs> but I, I, I love this episode. I, I did like though, and before we move on, because Silbro did say he liked this episode, bringing up that whole situation of you know the kiss or the uh, devotion of love before the battle. It was kind of interesting. I do have to say, within this episode, when they're fighting, I did when I first watched it, kind of was getting the feel that it could have gone either way. Right. You know, the love curse could have hit either one of them, and of course, it hit a new. But you know, it, they they kind of. To me, they kind of 
position it in a way where it seemed like for a while there it might be lock on could be but let's uh, hit episode 21 chris that would be the door to reform <laughs> some of some of the major points here saji notices that setsuna has the innovator eyes oh yeah which is kind of creepy they get a message from someone saying to come to the abandoned eclipse colony at lagrange 5 for some important information so that's where saji and setsuna head off to and over at that colony, you've got a wounded Wang and Honglong attempting to escape from Nana. Fats Goodman, he sends his fleet to uh, chase the Ptolemaeus too. And the innovators and Louise are leaving, and he doesn't care about them anymore because he thinks he can do it on his own. Oh. Mr. Bushido has a mission for Louise, so of course Andre, being the, the schmuck that he is, has to tag along because he just has to like obsess over her for every minute that he's around her. Yeah, Mr. <laughs> third Wheel there. Yeah, talk about a third wheel if there ever was one. That's all he's got. Exactly. <laughs> uh, you got Revive wondering if uh, Setsuna is becoming a real innovator since he keeps kicking their ass so easily. Uh-huh. Over at Eclipse, we finally get the motivation, finally, the masterful motivation that has been driving Wang Lume for 45 episodes, which is she doesn't like that her brother was a stupid wimp and couldn't become the leader of her family, and her life got screwed up because she had to become the leader of the family, so she wants to make a future for herself that's just for herself. At which point, Nana jumps in saying that that's a uh, stupid reason and blows away Hong Long unceremoniously. Oh, my God, man. Man, it took some shots. Yeah, he did, man. In- including the headshot because yeah. uh, that's another thing they liked in this season. They they love doing the headshots. Boom. Well, you know, Nana must have been doing some target practice with Ali. I guess so. Freaking so, uh, you know, they she, she takes him out. Setsuna, he finds Wang on foot, and she gives him the coordinates to Veda. And when he gets back to the double O riser, good old Mr. Bushido is there waiting for him. But interestingly, it's Mr. Bushido unmasked. Oh. It's Graham because he wants to have that duel with Setsuna, you know, where they left things off all those years ago with that last duel they had that, um, you know, made him even kookier. <laughs> Wang escapes in her little shuttle thinking that she'll keep changing the world. But then Nana shows up and she's like, ha ha! Boom, blasts her away and kills her. Then, very creepily, Haro says that those who act on their own will be punished, and it's actually like ribbons speaking through Haro, which is just doubly creepy. Yes, indeed. And then uh, Louis shows up in the Regnant and basically blasts the throne dry to pieces and kills Nana, giving her exactly what she deserves. Unfortunately, Louise is totally like that crazy and, and laughing and acting like, like a reverted childlike state. Oh. So you can see that she's uh, she's Looney Tunes. It kind of reminded me of um, a little bit of uh, Camille when he's in the cockpit. Oh, yeah. when he Yeah, he, when he got uh, brain fried by Sirocco. Yeah, kind of reverting back to ch- kind of like the childlike you know, thing because he's like, oh, look at the stars and stuff. I mean, she was a little bit more creepier because she's thinking she's talking to her mom. Yeah, oh. that, that was certainly creepy. Oh, the good old days. <laughs> and things come to an end when Setsuna and Graham are fighting. They both go Trans Am and the overload of Particles takes them to the naked GN space. Naked space? <laughs> and, and we see Graham, how uh, scarred up he is yeah. from, uh, from that battle with Setsuna those years before. And Setsuna has the realization, finally, what the whole purpose of everything was with the GN drives to lead humanity towards innovation because he sees now that he's becoming an innovator. Yeah. So, comments. Pretty good episode. Once again, throughout this whole show, they, they've, like you like we stated in the review of last episode, that they keep it going with some of these things. And, you know, the, the, when something happens, it happens right away and it, you know, we're, it comes to a, a finality, you know, especially with Wang and all that. It's like they, 
there was nothing more that she could do and her finally getting killed and you know Luis finally got her revenge of the for her parents that she you know she wanted for the last four or five years here the whole situation with Setsna and Graham getting transported to the opening sequence of the show <laughs> was uh, kind of interesting and, and like you said we we finally do see that you know even though see how definitely scarred uh, Graham is but uh it was a pretty good episode, especially with the revelation that didn't we speculate when we were talking about um, when we found out that they were brother and sister, Hong Long and Wang? Didn't somebody speculate that um, it was probably something like this with a kind of a family business type of deal? Yeah, because we had always wondered remember. why Hong, the older brother, wasn't the one in charge, and she yeah, was. So and they finally just get into the business of that. But um, which is and cool. Patrick might think he's immortal, but what is Lasse? <laughs> Hardcore. Yeah, that's that, what Lasse that, is. That dude. guy must have like his own. Sp- Lasse, he he he's channeling the spirit of of Fifty Cent. That's what I'm saying. He he must have his own bed in the infirmary. Damn, man. Because it's like the Lasse A on Memorial bed. They la- he's got his he's got his own wing. This is the Lasse suite. This is the Lasse A on Memorial wing. Even though he's still alive, Damn, <laughs> yeah. because he's he's here every other day. A nice episode, too, because they didn't go too crazy. They they ramped up the action. They ramped up the intensity. But sometimes with these shows, they can kind of ramp it up too quickly. And as we see in later episodes, it's, you know, it, it's kind of a good flow with everything. But um, other than that, um, you know, a, a good solid episode. So, bro? I enjoyed the hug it out bitch moment between Setsuna and Lock-On. <laughs> I love you, man. <laughs> where, uh, where they come to terms with Anu's death. Yeah. But um, just like his brother, he was at the point of being about to, um, to shoot Setsuna, and then he, um, he puts the gun down, man. You just can't shoot a guy that's that badass, <laughs> even if he kills your woman. <laughs> well, it's, um, it's, it's, it's hard to shoot a guy who w- would welcomely accept death. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> you know what? It does. You do what you got to do. Yeah. Marina's song is topping the charts, man. It's on heavy rotation. And when Sheeran and Klaus reunite, they can they hear it on the radio or some crap like that. And um, <laughs> he talks about that in that, epi- in that episode as well. And I, I love the turnabout is fair play moment between um, first Nina rapes Wang and then Louise rapes Nina. Yeah. Compliments of ribbons. <laughs> of course, it's always good to see naked space, just not with dudes. Makes you kind of think twice about wanting a horror, doesn't it? Why is that? Well, because, you know, you might be driving along and then he starts talking evilly and has you set up to be killed. (laughs) Haro, the perfect associate of the organized crime families. There you go. Yeah. He's always loyal. He's always loyal. (laughs) Weeding out those that aren't. Fantastic episode. I enjoyed it. Ooh, a fantastic episode. I gave it a fantastic. (laughs) Chris, some of your things before uh, we end this, because, man, he said fantastic episode. I'm dumbstruck. I know. I know. It's like, wow, I've never thought I would hear that. Leaving you guys' minds blown. (laughs) Yeah. I feel feel like I'm in naked space, not knowing what the hell's going on. There you go. Sobro Ryu, blowing minds since 2007. Yes. (laughs) Pretty much. And pissing off others. I liked uh, some well-deserved comeuppances in this episode. Uh, first for Wang, since uh, you know, like I said in the last episode, I've I've really disliked uh, you know the things that she's done in this season. Uh, yeah. The way she's trying to play both sides because she thinks that she's so freaking special and just using people like they're chess pieces. Oh, and um, FPS Doug must have snuck into the writers' room because this is the start of the headshots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's a shame that Hong Long had to sacrifice himself for such a waste of a human being. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Only to extend her life by a few minutes. 
Oh yeah, she got to play. She got to play Sacagawea this episode by giving um Cessna the roadmap to Vader. Nice. And it was nice also to see uh, Nana get her comeuppance from Louise, even though Louise was like you know totally psycho afterwards. But this this was actually a case where uh, the bad guys did a good thing. Yeah. With Ribbon sending Louise to take care of her, so I appreciated that. And uh, it's good to see. Uh, Graham finally unmask himself and finally get back to being Graham, you know, after uh, having the mask on and playing this character of Mr. Bushido for most of the season. Exactly. Yeah, I think he's finally gotten sick of it. He's finally gotten sick of the ridiculousness that is Mr. Bushido. Yes. So, uh, Sobro, mm-hmm. uh, you liked this episode, I take it? It was fantastic, man. I, I, All I, right. I, I did like it. <laughs> well, since Sobro liked it... Um, yeah, I guess we can wrap up this segment, and you know, we'll be back to discuss the last four episodes. The final four. Final four. Oh, man. This, and uh, you'll hear that in, in a little while. You're listening to Gundam at MAHQ. Suddenly, there was a terrible roar all around us, and the sky was full of what looked like huge bats. All swooping and screeching and diving around the car. And a voice was screaming, Holy, Holy Jesus, Jesus, where are these goddamn animals? Next on level nine. And the thing about Resident Evil 4 is, I mean, it was great control, but it was also because they had only one controller in existence to play the game. Right. And so everything was built around the GameCube controller. So that's why it kind of flowed right. Mm-hmm. Um, this is and when it came out, and when it came out for the PlayStation Two later on, it didn't feel as good. Mm-hmm. It didn't. It still felt better on the Makes GameCube sense. controller. Makes sense. But now you have Resident Evil Five being made for PC, PS3, and 360. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it doesn't seem to flow as well. I mean, there's four different types you can choose from. I tried three of the four. Hmm. Well, I mean, thank God that we have two. I have two months. Two or three months to get used to this control because it's going to take all three of them. You really think so? I mean, you don't think you don't feel like if you just kind of get into the groove of just like using one setup, it'll just kind of come yeah. to you eventually. Yeah, in three months. Oh, wow! So I, I played I played that game online with them. So, bro, we're both going a. <laughs> <laughs> it's a game. If he gets the money, he wins. If the bus blows up, he wins. What if you win? Then tomorrow we'll play another one. But I'm not available to drive tomorrow. Busy. You're driving along, you're driving along, and all of a sudden the kids are yelling from the backseat, I gotta go to the bathroom, Daddy! Not now! God damn it! All right, everybody. Uh, welcome back to Gundam and MHQ. Uh, this is going to be the 20th installment of Gundam Roundup, and probably be one of the shortest uh, roundups because it would match the show. And this is dealing with the 2006 original net animation, which was streamed on the Bandai Channel. And there were three episodes, only about 15 minutes long. And that is Gundam Seed CE73 Stargazer. Man. And uh, like we said, it's basically three 15-minute long episodes following immediately after the Break to War incident and follow pretty much some things that are going on with Sven Kalpayang. He's a 20-year-old natural 
who's a member of Phantom Pain, and he pilots the evil-looking Strike Noir, basically the Black Strike. And it's also featuring another character, Selena McGriff, who's a researcher for what's called the DSSD, and part of the, the Stargazer project, which is talking about a mobile suit that, to search other planets within the solar system, and it's just the title suit. It's a mostly white with uh, some gold accents. Just gonna go into you know some of our thoughts about this, and just like we had in Gundam Seed and Gundam Seed Destiny, our special guest uh, from the Hatagon in Hate Valley, Florida, the original hater, Austin. Austin. Uh, Give us some of your thoughts on uh, Stargazer. I actually love the series a lot more than I did Destiny. Even though it's amazing, it's short. It was short to the point. Um, one of the major things I did like about it was is that it had awesome mech designs, especially with Strike Noir, which is probably next to Freedom my my favorite uh, Gundam suit in the in throughout the entire universe. Wow. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty nice suit. There's a scene where it's actually in smoke and stuff, and it just looks so pretty. I mean, I think Kira should have had this suit instead of he should have had then, this after after, nah, after after Strike got. I mean, after uh, what's the name? Freedom got destroyed. They should have given this suit. But anything else, or um, that's basically. I mean, for the most part, I mean, it's the mech designs that that get uh, that catch you. So I mean. Uh, the story was pretty good. I mean, I wish they could have done more, but I mean, do what you got. I mean, do what you got to do. Other than that, though, I mean, it's just the thing that really catches my eye is the mech design. Okay, Solbro. I actually really enjoyed it, uh, especially the first episode where you have all the chaos happening from the break the world. We we touched upon it in Destiny, but um, you really got to feel the impact of what was going on in the aftermath of of that incident. It kind of had a little bit of a throwback to uh, which was news, which was like recent news at the time. Um, far recent for me to see it in an anime um the hurricane katrina incident mm-hmm. some of the visuals of the aftermath of break the world were, were were kind of um vividly reminiscent of that and uh well it looked like one of the cities was new orleans yeah one of the yeah, exactly and then there was a there was a fight there one of the coolest twists in there is when you find out in the first episode that the enemies that uh savannah and yang are fighting are children yeah young coordinators that are all like grouped together in those suits that they're fighting and that was that was that's just added an element of horror there that i didn't expect it was the sh- one i guess the show that had a, a humanistic side for the the earth, the earth alliance mm. i mean it was it, they finally presented some characters that you actually liked to some degree sven yeah I'm sven. what about what about, what about uh, the guy voiced by um george nakata i forget Which his name that sham and ducross and ducross thank you um he was i liked him i thought he was a cool character and mm. But then again, he was—he worked for DSSD more. He was kind of what yeah. a liaison between the two, which was not part of the Earth Alliance. They yep. were separate. Yeah, true. Entity. True. Well then, I, well then, I, I eat crow yet again, <laughs> as but, you usually do. I got the spoon and fork, son. The spoon and fork. But um, other than that, I like the design of the Strike Noir, but I like the design of the Stargazer even more. I thought it was an awesome-looking suit, and I'm glad when they got into it. I think the series was entirely too short, but that's a moot point. And I liked it a lot better than Destiny. I'll say that. <laughs> but um, both agree at that. yes, indeed. Who's next, Chris? Your thoughts? Okay, I'll agree with them and say that even for the flaws that Stargazer has in 45 minutes, it still manages to be a lot better than all of Destiny was, and <laughs> that's not hyperbole because 
Number one, it certainly has the best mecha designs in the Seed universe outside of Astray. Astray has some really nice stuff. So in terms of the animated Seed universe, it has the best designs. You know, Strike Noir, Blue Duel, Verde Buster. They also all look really nice, as do the other ones. Even the frickin' uh, Kerberos Buku. Yeah. I'm not a fan of the Buku, but the Kerberos Buku is, is pretty awesome looking in... You know, the, the Savage Buku attack in Episode 2 just kind of proves that. In the first episode, the way that they show the aftermath of Break the World mm-hmm. is handled much better than in Destiny because, as I said in the Destiny segment a few episodes ago, it just happens, you see the destruction, and then it gets totally glossed over. You don't see the impact on civilians. You see these people stuck in these flooded areas, and the imagery in this episode, which came out three years ago, very, very creepy in the way that's reminiscent of Hurricane Katrina and the Asian tsunami. Oh, yeah. So I think that was pretty deliberate in the way they were trying to go for that. And it just adds to the atmosphere where you've got all these people stuck. You've got these cities that are flooded. And in this episode, probably you have the most positive depiction anywhere of the Earth Alliance because you see them as soldiers trying to respond and rescue the civilians. Yeah. In this first episode, Edmund, he was a great character. It's a shame that he had to die, and it was nice to see him bring some much-needed realism to Seed and have him maneuver to use a tank to take down a djinn. (laughs) That was cool. And then Sven, I think, as a lead character, he was pretty interesting in the sense that, kind of like Setsuna, he's one of the few characters who, as a child, was taken and brainwashed and trained into becoming something he didn't want to be. Yeah. Even more so than Setsuna, because, you know, this guy, his parents were killed, you know, he had a good life, and then he was just grabbed by the state and thrown into this training program of being brainwashed to hate coordinators and be a pilot, and now he's an adult, and that's not any of what he ever wanted to be. He just wanted, he, you know, was just a kid who loved astronomy yeah. and had his whole life ruined by the Earth Alliance. Yep. Watching all that old stuff on ENN. <laughs> exactly. And it was interesting to see an organization that's out there doing scientific research like DSSD. The problems that this show run into is, number one, the length. Yeah. You know, in 15 minutes, what kind of story can you tell? Not much. Seriously, this show should have been at least, or ideally, six full-length episodes, 22 minutes each. Well, I, I would equate it to this. I can't remember who said this when we were talking about F91, but somebody said, like, you watch uh, F91 and you're like, wow, I'd like to watch the series. I get the same thing with this. It's like, wow, th- I watch Stargazer. I'm like, wow, this is probably a really cool OVA, but where am I going to see this? It's, it's like looking into a keyhole of the Seed Universe. I honestly think that all the sub-stories of the Seed Universe would make a great series all by itself. They would. Yeah, I mean, Stargazer and, and the Stray stories, all of them, great series all by itself and probably better, probably better than the other two. <laughs> then again, I'm talking out my ass, maybe. But you know. although I know in Stargate, this should have been Destiny. <laughs> you know what? You're right. <laughs> it should have been yeah. Destiny. It would have been. Ways, it would have yeah. been better that way. Um, been so much, at least you have something now. You can use the Earth. I mean, then you have you, you have a different side with the Earth Alliance, where you go look. They have soldiers that you like. They have people that you know you can feel empathetic for. Unfortunately, Sven is the only one who's sympathetic because his yeah. teammates, you've got Muddy, who looks like Call Girl Mobile Suit Pilot. Yeah. <laughs> and then you got Shams, who is the token black dude who's just a typically, you know, evil Earth Alliance, you know, blast them coordinators. Ha 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 Who's the one that got killed horribly by the box? That was uh, yeah, Muddy. Yeah, yeah, that was her. And then Shams was the one who went crazy, like, spamming with the buster. And then it's like he had no energy left and got destroyed by a bunch of mobile suits. 
Uh, well, what makes it even funnier is they keep telling, they keep ordering him to come back. And he's like, yeah, he's like, no, no, no. coordinators. <laughs> but I do like that. You know what? Their suits weren't like these unbeatable things. Like you know, we've seen in De- like we've seen in Seed and Destiny, where like you know, you they don't destroy. You don't have normal. You don't have like regular mobile suits destroying like you know these Uber Gundams. Yeah, they were just upgraded versions of yeah. the original Gundams, and you know they were just they had some new abilities, and but they still lost against the grunt suits. My biggest complaint about the series, and I think you all would agree, is even though it starts off showing the Earth Alliance as being more sympathetic, yeah. in the second and especially in the third episode, oh, oh, yeah. it goes it goes back to being just as detestably evil as it was in Seed and Destiny. Yeah. yeah. And that's the biggest flaw in this series, that they just went back to being cheap, you know, stock movie villains. <laughs> yeah, that that's that's my big problem with it, too. I mean, really, I really can't say much more than what you guys already said. Um, you know, when it comes to the mobile suit designs, great designs, even like the Wyndham's, I like even the way the Windoms kind of looked in that. The Windoms. Um, you know, that even though you know they were changed a little bit, but pretty much from midpoint of the second episode on, when you just find out that the Earth Alliance is just going to go up there and they're just going to be killing people and left and right, and I don't know, it, it just never, you know, it's just it just went back to that same old formula. And I mean, Sven is the only Earth Alliance guy that you felt any sympathy towards. Although, watch out if you're standing next to the feet of the Strike Noir. <laughs> yeah, I know, right. You don't want to go there with those miniguns coming out. Foot Vulcans of Doom. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, another thing. I don't know if you guys noticed, but the animation quality started to drop off quite a bit in the third episode. It's like, yes. come on. If this is only 45 minutes to begin with, can't you be consistent about having good animation quality? Is yeah. that too much to ask for? Yeah, I noticed that, too. It, it was- just completely the character animation went completely to hell even some of the mecha animation went to hell yeah especially when you were showcasing the stargazer at that point you figured it would have saved the best of the budget for that the titular suit i mean let's be honest um you know as as much as it was probably just a little holdover and tying in you know as a side story into um the seed universe it was basically just a 45 minute gunpla commercial (laughs) because uh you know Everything there, I, I remember a couple of the copies I watched, uh, you know, at the end, they certainly showed that the high grade and the master grade of the <laughs> of the Strike Noir are out there. But well, they um, certainly did the job because I want to model the Stargazer too sweet. <laughs> but uh, I think it's decent. You know, it does fall off a little bit, but, you know, it, it's once again, when it comes to the whole cosmic era universe, it seems we just have one question or, or it kind of could have been, you know, it's like this could have been much more than what it was and it just kind of fell short so any final comments guys on i got one question and this is for the entire uh cosmic universe we all we all know that like you know since the gundam seed destiny fiasco that you know bandai has taken a hands-on approach with uh you know with their you know the last couple of series like ogius season one season two gundam you know gundam Dolo, season one season two where you know they're taking hands-on approach, so you know it doesn't end up being crap. Like, so I, I want to ask, like you know, I, and I think I've asked you this before, but I never got a definite answer about it, Mike. It's like why does why like especially for like the Gundam movie, like the Gundam Seed movie that we're waiting for, that we've been waiting for for like about, what, four or five years now. It's like why don't they? Uh, why doesn't Bandai just take control of the thing instead of leaving it in the hands of you know the director and his wife? 
I have no idea, and I would say uh, definitely because we should mention the staff of Stargazer is totally different from yeah. the staff from the TV show. So in 45 minutes, they managed to do a much better job than Destiny did throughout much of its run. So I would certainly say these guys should be considered for any movie. But, I mean, that movie is like, we already discussed that in Destiny. I mean, who knows what Bandai is going to do or why they do what they do. Maybe they have a contract or something like that. Who, who bloody knows? We're not, we're not privy to that information, so we can only guess. Anything else, guys? I would say if you want a little bit more of Stargazer, you know, the Phantom Pain trio, they do appear in the Delta to a stray manga. That's right, they do. And if people were curious, you know, since they remade three of the original five Gundams, what about the others? Well, if you read Delta Astray, you will also see remakes the Nero Blitz and the Rosso Aegis. Yep. Oh, wow. So the entire team of the original five has been rounded up with upgraded remakes. Nice. Yep. So in closing, I would just say Stargazer, it's not perfect, but it's a nice little addition to uh, the universe and uh, it's something to watch if you're a fan of Cosmic Era. And it's pretty it's a pretty decent standalone on its own anyway, but don't go into it expecting a masterpiece or, you know, a con- you know, a coherent long-running story since we're talking about 45 minutes, basically two episodes worth that aren't yeah. even, you know, consecutive. They all, they all jump throughout the timeline of Destiny. That is true, but uh, it is, Silver, it is, anything else? It's, it's just kind of a tragedy that it didn't include Stargazer on the last... Um release of um what they could have done bandai could have released uh final plus and stargazer on the same dvd which is what i was hoping for but never happened but i do think it's a great show uh well, no there's a d- there's a dvd of in japan fun. they sent a dvd of in japan but not here yeah yeah in, in america i'm saying it hasn't been licensed in america i i don't know why they didn't do it but you know but that does a million questions i don't know why Bandai did it but anyway um stargazer a lot of fun to watch um it kind of Leaves a good, a better taste of um, the Destiny, un- the Seed universe in your mouth. I, any, if you like Gundam Seed and you like that universe, you should watch it. But um, yeah, I stand by my um, claim that they should definitely make a series just based on the sub side universes of um, Seed alone. Um, maybe one day we'll get it. I, could, I absolutely I that'll doubt come. that'll happen. I think you'll get that. Like you'll get and it. I believe somebody. Yeah, <laughs> and, you'll, and you'll, I believe some money though. Hey, yeah. when I win the Powerball, yeah, that's you'll, all I you'll, say. you'll get that when you get the um, <laughs> when you get the American release of Turn A. Sweet, so. Sweet. or that or that you know that F ninety one series or that Crossbone series or that Unicorn series. Yeah. Now y'all just making me depressed. So. <laughs> but uh, awesome. Anything else? No, I'm solid. Yeah, uh, I'm done. Dude. Okay, cool. Well, isn't. Oh, wait a minute. This is our last Gundam roundup consecutively, right? You're stealing the thunder again. Oh, oh I'm also. sorry. <laughs> and just like Solbro did, and and, you know, he moved on from ruining the news to uh, now ruining the uh, the, the segment host things. Yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> At this point that we're recording, this would be the last of our roundups for a while as um, the other two shows that are going on right now, Double O and MSIG Lu 2, haven't concluded. So I'm sure. Well, we've well been we're also not going to do we're not going to do double O as a roundup since we've been talking yeah. about it to death. Yeah. For the last year and a half, so it's and, not getting a roundup. And whenever Igloo Two finishes up, we'll do a do a spotlight on it or something. So. Are you guys going to be doing any? Uh, like, to be doing some random series now? Like, that is TBA. We still have um, some some miscellaneous Gundam roundups that will appear in the future. SD Gundam, Gundam Evolve, but yeah. they won't be. At a regular pace, not in production order like we were doing these, and you know we kind of glossed over those other ones. But um, you know we'll be de- something. I'm sure will take over for Gundam Roundup in the future. 
stay tuned. Yeah, exactly. That concludes this uh, segment. You're listening to Gundam at MAHQ. I know you. And I know when you got something brewing. I know it. What I got brewing? You what I got brewing, right? You tell me. You done lost your Gundam mind. Striking out on finding your favorite manga, anime, or series merchandise nearby or online? Lost when it comes to finding pop music from Japan, Hong Kong, and other Asian markets? Well then, Florida Oriental Trading is here to help. If you live in the Central Florida area, head on over to the intersection of Colonial Drive and Mills Avenue near downtown Orlando. You'll find FOT right next to the CVS Pharmacy. For those who live abroad, find out more about our favorite store online at FloridaOrientalTrading.com or call them directly at area code 407-895-0650. FOT carries a large selection of merchandise such as art books, t-shirts, posters, wall scrolls, soundtracks, PVC figurines, models, and much, much more. Also, it's a great place to find imports of your favorite musical artists and the latest films from Japan, Hong Kong, and other Asian countries. Last but not least, Florida Oriental Trading is not only home to the best selection of anime on DVD in Central Florida, but there you'll find a wide variety of manga too. On top of that, all of their manga is always priced at 20% less than retail, daily. 20%. That's right, Frank. 20%. Florida Oriental Trading is open every day except Wednesdays from 10 a.m. to 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You even find them open most holidays. So if you're local, stop on by and visit Quan and Debbie or give them a call at area code 407-895-0650 and give them the business. Tell them Gundam and MAHQ sent you. Gundam these glasses, son. Yes, sir. I Gundam thee. I Hey everybody, welcome back to Gundam at MHQ. This is Chris, and uh, we finally hit the home stretch after nearly two years of talking and talking and talking about Gundam 00. This is the last review segment ever. Yay. Thank God. After this review segment, Gundam is no longer going to be called Gundam. What? It'll be Space Robot 15 <laughs> Podcast. There it is, Neo, announcing our new name. No, he's not. Yes. No. Uh, so Don't believe what I say. Let's jump right into uh, these last four episodes uh, with episode 22, Soldier's Warmth. Some of the major points in this episode, we have... Graham, some flashbacks showing uh, when he was just plain old Graham and he was meeting with Homer Katagiri and he was talking about, you know, wanting to fight and, you know, he sees a little, like a little uh, demon mask in uh, Homer's very obviously Japanese styled house. You see him doing the stereotypical, like, training underneath the waterfall. <laughs> so thus was the birth of Bushido because um, that's, that's where it all started. Because Vista the Gundam. Because Graham likes cold showers. Yes, he does. <laughs> I guess he needed a cold shower to uh, calm down his, his love of the Gundam. <laughs> so, um, not surprisingly, uh, even though Graham's Suzano can do Trans Am, it gets utterly whooped 
by Double uh, O Riser, and when it does, we see uh, that all along the Susanna was just a flag. It's not a flag. Say it ain't so. I'm not a flag. So it's like big surprise. The guy's wearing a mask, and the suit is wearing a mask. Wow. Talk about irony. Who would have thought? Oh, Graham, and I would have written it completely different. Okay. Okay, troll. So then uh, Setsuna get back to the ship, and they input the coordinates of Veda, and they find that uh, it's on the dark side of the moon that there's this area of space where the stars don't match for about 15 kilometers. So uh, obviously there's some cloaking going on there. And they all decide they're going to fight, and that's you know where they're going to go and confront Ribbons and the Innovators. And um, right before everyone leaves, Felt gives a little flower to uh, Setsuna. Oh, my God, fourth relationship, terrible oh, writing. No. Uh, <laughs> how do they? Down, troll, down. <laughs> Put him back in his cage. Get the, get out the cattle prod. <laughs> get in there. Get in there. Don't tease me, bro. We showed just them. Trolling. Just, trolling. just trolling, dude. Don't tease me. <laughs> just, tro- just trolling and rolling. <laughs> so once everyone um, launches, they've got uh, you know new goods that were brought to them by uh, Linda, along with the um, O Gundam, oh. which uh, they gave a little GN storage pack. And decided to give a little fresh paint job. You mean the RX seventy eight dash two? I don't know what that is. <laughs> so there's a there's an ALOS fleet waiting for them, and they go and attack. Setsuna uses Transam Riser to destroy these three ships, and they disperse like a little cloud of beam distorting particles, which kind of makes things a little tough for everybody. So they're all fighting inside uh, these clouds. But then the Catharon ships and the Kudeta ships show up, led by Kati, mm-hmm. and a certain Mr. Colasauer is with her, and he gets to actually make some kills. Oh, man, Patrick yeah. McCloud. Go freaking figure. No, no longer king of the simulator. The Highlander, he's back. I guess he can actually kill things that aren't Gundams. <laughs> yeah, that too. So there's this whole fight, and, you know, the fight turns in the favor of Celestial Being. Setsuna pulls out the Transam Riser. And slices up uh, Fats Goodman. Let's have a moment of silence. And for when Fats I saw Goodman. that scene, I said, I, I thought somewhere Chris is applauding. That was 22 episodes overdue. I was Ooh. thinking who was going to play at the club that night. <laughs> Fats was the best front man we've ever seen. So uh, Fats Goodman gets destroyed, and oh, um, so. Regine has a little conversation with uh, Ribbons, and Ribbons is all like basically. You know, I can, I can see with my super special uh, innovator brain powers <laughs> that you're, like, just a treacherous bastard. So, <laughs> haha, I'm better than you. And then uh, Regine, he pulls out a gun, uh, shoots ribbons in the head. Good old mm-hmm. headshot. Damn. Extra points. Get an achievement for that. Xbox achievements. Yeah, he did. He got an achievement and a trophy. Yeah. He's dual console. Yeah, that is a dual console game. <laughs> he split his wig. So uh, he, 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 uh, he kills uh, ribbons and then triumphantly declares now that the plan, which used to be uh, Aeolia's plan, and then became Alejandro's plan, <laughs> and then became Ribbons' plan, was now his plan. Man. <laughs> Changing all sorts of hands. <laughs> your, your thoughts, guys? Well, I mean, once again, just like uh, episode 21 before it, we're definitely ramping up the action. It's kind of the gradual build-up, too, and, you know, everything that we've pretty much have thought throughout the show when it comes to Mr. Bushido or Graham uh, kind of gets uh, you know validated with the whole I got to go training got to do the training under the waterfall it's like every it's every kung fu movie every kung fu anime street fighter Look, king man, of you, fighters everything you could think of in there you want the Shaw Brothers in this bitch 
Man, it was <laughs> you like... You got it. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, Fist of the Gundam here. And, um, and, and, and All he it, needed was the sword to slice through the waterfall like Domon. Exactly. <laughs> and, you know, like you said, with, uh, with his mobile suit, its mask getting broken and seeing that it was a flag in there because, you know, if anybody... If Setsna loves Gundam, this guy's a flag. I mean... <laughs> Graham is a flag, Setson is a Gundam. So, match uh, made in heaven. Yeah, definitely a match made in heaven. But, um, you know, definitely a great episode um, seeing that, you know, finally the coup forces and Kati and all those, they thought about the whole situation. Everybody's thinking, you know, hey, look, there's, there's a bigger picture here. It's A-laws. You know, they're what's really wrong with everything. We have differences, but let's, you know, let's unite. Kind of like what the original intent of Celestial Being pretty much was. And then, you know, the sad lament. They should have had an epilogue of this episode of all the great scenes of Fats Goodman, you know. <laughs> oh, montage. You know, you know, kind of kind of kind of looking like a wounded pig in his captain's chair. And you know, <laughs> maybe him having a you know, slice of a cheesecake. A you know Montage <laughs> would require there being someone to actually care about him being oh, dead. Oh, man. There's yeah. no such character in, in double O. Yeah, I, everyone hated that bastard. Sent to the smooth sounds of saxophone. <laughs> Actually, I'll be honest at with the, you. At the end, the final actually, shot could be his um his little stool I, on stage. I, I picture I picture Fats Goodman as the um, he's he's the cool guy with the stand up bass. You know, he's just back there. <laughs> and and the final shot of the montage would be the shot of that bass on yeah. the stage without a master to play it. And you know, <laughs> and a single a single spotlight. And and to be honest with you, and to be honest with you, if he was smart. He would invite Marina to sing with him. Oh man! With Fats. Oh Goodman God! Just and, stop, dude. And the Fats <laughs> and the Fats Five. <laughs> but um, it, it it was a good episode. I wouldn't say fantastic, but it's it's there, because I'm not gonna steal from Solbro. But Solbro, some of your thoughts on old episode, Deuce Deuce. Oh man! Um, speaking of Fats, he had his little Suikoden defense with his 108 mobile suits. <laughs> 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 oh man! It didn't do him too good, did it? It didn't do him a damn bit. <laughs> oh man, it was almost seppuku time for Graham. Man, he was about to put the sword to himself. Man, that's I think that's the last time you see him in that episode, and it had me uh, that had me a little um, a little weirded out. But um, Fats counterattack. Fats <laughs> counterattack. <laughs> that's what I called it. Is that is that the when movie? He, is when, that the? It's official now. The, the double O movie is called Fats counterattack. Fats counterattack. When he rolled that nasty fog in, man. Did did Fats really survive at the end of Fats counterattack? <laughs> He got roasted like the pig he was. And that's what happened. <laughs> oh, man. But, um, Enough no, about Fats Goodman. Klaus was finally worth a damn because this cavalry came in and saved the ship. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was good to see the Highlander come back. My man Patrick McLeod. It was good to see him. And, of course, um, Kati, she had the move of the episode, man. She finally showed her true colors, and I was glad to see him. Other than that, Regine splitting Ribbon's wig was my highlight of the episode. I waited all, it's all season for that. That's thirty but, Xbox points. I, exactly, he got he got he got his achievements, and yeah. his trophy. Sweet, Marina Sheeran and the kids had the best best seats to the fight. Man, they got their own private skybox. <laughs> <laughs> at the end, they're watching all the lights. Oh, look at the pretty lights! You know, every light a dude's dying. <laughs> you know, I was. It's actually one of them could be your, the kids know that one of them could be your bastard father. Actually. <laughs> Actually, you know, it's funny that you say that because normally in shows like this, they always do have it where it's like, um, you know, people will be watching like that and you'll have like the kids and they always have like that one like wise and old person come in or somebody say each one, each light that extinguishes is a life. (laughs) 
but they didn't have that thing. Or God. just a rogue missile blowing up. Yeah. <laughs> Errant missile detonating. That's that's pretty much all I got to say. A great um, ramp up episode. Get us all charged with the with with the kickoff in this of the Super Bowl of um, mech fights. I'm 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 charged for the next episode, but I'm good at I enjoyed it. Oh, it's just Boy, been said, an I, I didn't even get to have my thoughts in, and he's already he's already declaring that he's enjoyed it. Oh, yeah. it's not over. You yet. have to be careful when you say that stuff because that means <laughs> I, we have to move. I, on. I guess I gotta get it in first before before Solbro makes his his kingly declaration that yes. he liked the episode. Well, I retract the statement. So it is said. So it shall be done. So uh, one thing that I enjoyed about this episode was finally getting some insight about Graham's Bushido persona yeah. and the way that he feels. It's interesting that here it's a counterpoint to the way he felt at the end of season one, you know, when he was telling Setsuna that you know, he, was a, he, he loved the Gundams, but then after all the crap that happened to him, it turned into hate. But now he's gone even beyond hate. And he sees it as just destiny. So it's sort of interesting to see Graham come full circle, especially since people were complaining about how useless of a character he became the whole season. There was a whole point to everything. It was building up to this, you know, that he's such a weird guy and he has such a twisted sense of everything Mm -hmm. because of all the stuff that happened to him in season one. This is the payoff for that of him coming back to being Graham Aker. Yeah, full circle. Putting on this mask and being Mr. Bushido. Also enjoyed, of course, the uh, the death of Fats Goodman. <laughs> Very much deserved. And it was nice to see uh, Patrick get to do something. It was also nice to see um, the O-Gundam come back with a nice new color scheme mm-hmm. and uh, some new toys for the... Uh, for the Gundams, including a good old Exia-style GN sword for the double O, because I always like that better than the double O's mm-hmm. sword rifle thingamajig. Yeah, that's true. So definitely a good start for one of these uh, final battle arcs, and uh, I liked it. Ooh. Oh, well, then. <laughs> does, that, does that upstage uh, the Solbro liking it? I, I mean, the official MHQ seal of approval. Ooh. <laughs> right on. Well, I, I meant to mention this earlier, but um, Veda must love um, Pink Floyd, because um, apparently it's chilling on the dark side of the <laughs> Oh boy! Oh, <laughs> how, long is, how long did you were you holding on to that? One? I, I completely glossed over it earlier. I looked at my list. <laughs> oh, and Lasse is the most rugged dude still. He came back to the bridge looking refreshed. His stock is going up even further. But I'm done. Well, I guess that would bring us to uh, episode 23, which is called the flower, uh, flower of love. Uh, some of the highlights. Life. A flower of life. I don't know why I keep saying love. I'm sitting here staring at the piece of paper saying flower of life too. I don't. I don't, I don't know, know, man. You, you. Uh, I don't know what, what have you been smoking. I nothing. Flowers. You, you can, yeah, flowers. <laughs> but um, some of the highlights in here, we start. We begin with Routine sitting there with his evil laugh that he killed Ribbon, and then all of a sudden he hears Ribbon behind him, and of course he, you know, it's the whole thing. I was downloaded into Veda, and you know the body's nothing but a vessel, and then he smokes pretty much smokes uh, Regine. Psych. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is not ex- unexpected given, I forgot to mention last episode, that Ribbons has a whole clone's army of, of divine and bring. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we're, we're out with the battle, and then we see that Kati sends a message to the Gundams to defend the, uh, the Ptolemaeus, and then she talks to Sumeragi saying that she's only working with them to overthrow A-Laws. We see that that large beam weapon, uh, it's being powered by a lot of GN Tau drives, and they're basically almost like uh, little energy packs for each shot. So battle continues on. The celestial being is uh, getting, which is the... The, the the uber weapon in this one is getting heavy bombardment and then of course lock on goes in the sniper mode and transam mode and is picking everything away all of a sudden the uh, ribbon launches the gaga squadron and it's basically a bunch of gagas 
with uh, bring, like you said, bring in divine clones who activate Transam, who just commit uh, kamikaze attacks on everybody. <laughs> and so it, it's really, you know, it's really causing a lot of confusion because unlike, you know, normal pilots who would actually sit there and try to have a strategy to fight, they're just coming in and just trying to crash into everything. Uh, poor Patrick gets caught up in it, and um, he he uh, expresses his love before it appears that his uh, GNX three uh, blows up. His big pimpin is explosive. Yeah, <laughs> we see the Ptolemaeus is getting you know bombarded, and from all of these clones, some other things here. We see the double O or the O actually. Lassie's getting them a little bit there, and. One of the problems is, is even though he has that pack for the O Gundam, it's the beams aren't as uh, heavy as they want. Andre attacks the Double O Riser, but he's quickly put in his place. And uh, Luis deploys some of her fangs and against Setsna, and Setsna pretty much puts her in her place. And she's, you know, blaming the Gundams for ruining her life. And of course, there's the little thing with um, Saji telling her, you know, all this crap and nonsense. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, uh, Revive comes off to back up Luis, and uh, Hinling's noticed that, um, you know, the battle that he had earlier with Tiaria that damaged the survey, uh, that Tiaria actually had um, abandoned the survey, Gundam, and we see that Ribbons is in Beta's control room and is wondering if humanity's going to be destroyed or reborn, and then who enters in but Tiaria, and... We have a little Mexican showdown there. Hey, hey. The end. Episode 23. Thoughts of Flower of Life. Well, this episode was not the love. No, not love. <laughs> this episode was the biggest cocktease. Unlike episode 23 of last season, which was like balls to the wall, like the second half, ridiculous. It, it, I remember it being like most of our favorite episode of the of the first season. But this one, it's more of a ramping up. It was. I, I got to say, this one, this episode had the dumbest counteroffense I've ever seen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> in any show, the kamikaze uh, attack, the the transam kamikaze, it was just oh, I don't I don't know. And of course, um, Chris's favorite element, the um, the uber weapon, got introduced this episode, devastating the battlefield, the celestial being, I guess. Yeah, but you know what? I, I'd have to say of of this one and Memento Mori, at least they kind of scaled these things down a little bit, and they made them make a little bit more sense. At least it's not the Destiny Project. <laughs> Or uh, Requiem. Your boy Lasse, man. Um, I, I hereby nominate him to be inducted into the Han Solo Hall of Fame, man. What, what do you get with that? Uh, hey, you, you get props. A broken ship with no hyperdrive that works? <laughs> hey, man, he dodged that big beam, man. He was piling in that ship yeah. like nobody else. Whew. Man, awesome. Other than that, uh, Ali versus Lockhart, man. The rematch begins. The thriller, the thriller in vanilla. <laughs> Part two. <laughs> Saji, he was at least trying to talk some sense into Louise, man. You can't, you got, got to give him some props for it. actually standing up and wanting to end this in a, in a better outcome than anything. But of course, um, you think he's just talking nonsense, so he's still King Arthur to me. He is. But uh, anyway, um, I enjoyed this episode. And Chris, what were your thoughts on it? King Arthur. King Arthur. Far from it. <sighs> How could I follow after that? Um, <laughs> you know, for all the people not liking the the crazy uh, exploding gagas, I didn't really care too much. Either way, so mm-hmm. to me, it was no big deal, and it's 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 certainly different compared to sending <laughs> uh, waves of you know since these waves of grunts are going to die anyway, mm-hmm. at least be honest and have them be waves of grunts whose whole purpose is just to die. <laughs> that is true. 
I mean, if 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 that's what they were truly were, the purpose of them was just to die. Because that's the way yeah. it is in any of these final battles. Like you know, in the first series, the Zeon throwing out like freaking trainee kids yeah. in mobile suits. Oh, Look. but they're very patriotic. Yeah, they're gonna die. That's how patriotic they are. You know, if they're gonna be sacrifices, at least just let them know they're gonna be sacrifices. Exactly. It was good to see the the O Gundam in action, even though uh, it's just. Basically, a stationary gun turret shooting at stuff. <laughs> it's gun tank. Yeah, you know all of this stuff. Final battle, you know, insanity, the chaos of the battlefield. It was good to see uh, Patrick making his little declaration of of love mm-hmm. and seemingly dying. Oh, obviously, we know that he didn't. Oh man, why'd you have to spoil that oh, man, for me? Spoiler more episodes. <laughs> I'll spoil your news too. Damn. Oh man, good. I'm done with Double O now. <laughs> it was. Uh, <laughs> It was nice that uh, Regine's victory was so short-lived, and he and he realized that he got duped and capped by Ali. So another another victim falls to uh, <laughs> Ali, Ali the slaughter. Yeah, wet, he wet his chest up. <laughs> and then, as Solbro mentioned, you know the uh, the rematch of uh, Lockon versus Ali, something I've wanted to see for for a while. How this Lockon will fare yeah. against Ali, and uh, so far not <laughs> not too well. <laughs> not too well. No. Lost the leg immediately. And uh, Thierry, uh, not too well either. <laughs> no. He got double teamed. <laughs> you know, he's, he's got his eyes on the main prize, and it's nice to see him uh, confront Ribbons at the end because uh, Ribbons definitely was not expecting to see him. Yeah. So definitely a solid penultimate, penultimate episode. And Solbro likes it. He did. Oh, he did. Well, you're talking about yourself in the third person now? I know. Yeah, what are you, the rock? Like I'm the rock. <laughs> the Solbro likes this episode. The, the Solbro says... <laughs> This is good. This is great. So I think the Solbro should take it off for us next. Well, he will. In episode 24, Beyond. Things that happened this episode. This is a, this is a, a chalk-loaded episode. Louise isn't trying to hear the words of Saji as she attacks the double O. But then she, um, as she grabs the double O, she gets slam-banged by a, a kamikaze trans-am pilot. Uh, one of the Gagas hits runs into them. Thierry and Ribbons talk about their real origin as innovators, not innovators. They're s- synthetic innovators that were brought about to lead mankind into becoming innovators. And Ribbon says that he's better than that. He doesn't want, you know, he'll lead mankind by himself. They don't need to become innovators. He'll, he'll be the sole innovator out there. Billy it has Sumeragi in checkmate, but she holds her ground and they discuss their ideals about the size they represent. Of course, seasoned by the drama of her rejecting him and leaving him so abruptly. And then we go back to Ali versus Lock-On, and that fight continues along with Alleluia defending Soma as she's getting pounded by the enemy. And Lasse is in the old Gundam, man, holding it down. That's when he runs out of his uh, little bit of energy, and they show an homage to the original cockpit of the inside of the RX-78 in that episode. It was pretty cool. Satsuna saves Louise, and Saji takes her somewhere else for some alone time. <laughs> and... <laughs> Rape. 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 <laughs> Sets is like, enough of you guys. Just go away. Let the, let the real fighters fight. Elsewhere, um, the Mexican standoff comes to an end as Ribbon puts one in Tierra's melon. <laughs> another headshot achievement. Hey, another headshot, Achie- man. Achievement and trophy unlock. FPS, yes. FPS Doug would be pleased. Boom! <laughs> I can't wait to see the YTM and D on that. <laughs> when they compile all the headshots of this series into one big... <laughs> You'll be waiting for One a while. big montage. I think since you laid it down, it's uh, your calling now. Hey, yeah. man. <laughs> Maybe one of these days. <laughs> you can put it up on uh, YouTube as the, the next uh, record-busting video like uh, Bernie's Lament. There you go. But um, in their little secret chambers, Louise wakes up from her um, being knocked out, and she uses her Skywalker hand on Saji. 
And <laughs> that is, of course, broken up because she endures another migraine when um, a flood of her memories come back to her. The double is pinned down, but sets and it gets, um, he sets up the GN particle mixer, which everybody starts to catch a contact off of. Louise is um, seen wearing Saji's ring. He has, happens to notice that as she's passing out. So I guess she still kept him in her heart in some way, shape, or form. Billy insists on the Ptolemaeus to surrender while everybody is against the ropes, getting beat down by all kamikazes and the innovator forces. GM particles go out of control because Setsuna has had enough of his friends being put, you know, pushed to their limits. And the kids get a cool light show. Regine's it's so pretty <laughs> it certainly is Regine he gets a little bit of afterlife commentary as the GM particles are affecting everybody and the, all the innovators happen to hear or actually I think everybody might have heard his um his little discussion about the true purpose of Setsuna and the GM particles and whatnot and then everybody gets some their cliff notes conference communication on where um all the different loose ends that have been going on throughout the course of the show don't even need explanation because everybody's pretty much on everybody else's wavelength about what's going on Billy is a puss after all and gives in to Sumeragi and Celestial Veen starts to fight back against the forces attacking. Maybe he's a boob man and he just couldn't resist. Hey, I would be too. <laughs> so would I. So. Oh, man. Soma finally schools Andre, confronting him about his hate for his father and hitting him with some common sense instead of killing him. And he cries like a bitch. <laughs> Lasse and Louise recover from GN cancer and Louise and Saji finally reconcile. The double O breaks into the celestial being stronghold and Ghost Tieria takes over Veda and uses Seraphim to shut down the innovator forces. R- Marie returns to Alleluia as opposed to Soma Pyrrhus, I guess, due to the GN particles. And Lockon pursues Ali after wrecking his suit. They're both out of their suits at this point. When he confronts him in the hallway after wounding him with a shot, um, Lockon spares Ali. But then um, Ali tries to turn the tables on him and tries to clap him. And instead, Lockon gets gun clap smoke him. on his ass. He tries to clap him, man. Gangsta style. Headshot. <laughs> master, master sniper achievement unlocked. Damn right, man. The last headshot of the show. <laughs> and in fine fashion. After that happens, um, Lockon finally finds new purpose as a Gundam Meister and um, kind of has his own little conversation with the late Anu. Thierry Veda explains that the innovator's true purpose, he, he, ta- he says it's a Setsuna, which um, he says that the innovator's true purpose is to unite humanity and prepare it for its evolution into innovators. And Ribbons reveals his final boss Uber suit. This has got to be the episode that breaks the record for the most amount of loose ends tied up. But um, what were you guys' thoughts on this episode? Totally Review- suck, dude! Was your review of this episode an homage to our old review style, Solbro? <laughs> Well, you know, because I felt like I just went through the whole episode. I, I'm sorry, I, I I left out a lot. I actually left out a lot. I just brought up all the points that you know that really needed to be said because a lot of loose ends were tied of this episode, and it it was it was awesome. It was like it went a mile a minute. I mean, I mean, sorry, it went it went it was a light speed pace, but um, I love the the story gimmick of using the GM particles to not have to explain why people are getting revenge or why people are confronting other people. You know, everybody just got it. And we as the viewer already knew what was going on. So it was just cool to see how all these things got resolved within moments instead of just having to have this span across a couple well, episodes. It's just, it's just the opposite of the new type phenomenon. Yeah. The new type phenomenon, everybody was trying to understand everybody. And this one, for whatever reason, even when they enter into the kind of the GN state, they, they finally do understand each other. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it was a pretty good episode. I mean, like you said, a lot of things did you know, a lot of conclusions did happen with a lot of the characters on here. Um, I will say, because I know Chris will probably bring this up anyways, but the whole um, <clears throat> the whole thing about how Ali got killed, I don't mind it. I know a lot of people weren't happy with the way that he got killed. <laughs> thinking, thinking he was 
kind of punked or anything. But do you think he was underused? He really wasn't. Really? Um, the way he got killed really wasn't bad. I mean, that's what other way do you want this guy to die? Live by the sword, die by the yeah, sword. Yeah, I mean, he died the same way that he killed. And in some ways, I think Ali was probably happy with that because, you know, the way he lived his life. Um, the world was changing, and it was going to leave him behind anyway. So, Well, it, I mean, that's being too introspective. But it's, oh. you know, it's, um, you know it's, I, I, I saw that a lot on forums and stuff. Everybody's like, oh, I can't believe the way Ali got killed. It was nice that we finally got the conclusion of Saji Luis. Because uh, we really don't have to deal with them too much late, too much longer, <laughs> and we only have to deal with them pretty much at the end of t- episode twenty-five, just as kind of a postscript. You know, Regine and um, Tiari are—they're pretty much Cylons. They got killed and downloaded into the system. There you go. So uh, we have that going on, but um, solid episode. And you know, for once, it, it like I said, it, it kind of went past the way of um, the new type phenomenon where everybody was trying to understand each other, and nobody could ever really. The whole consensus couldn't understand each other at the end, but this this one, you know, th- this kind of plot gimmick with the uh, the GM particles, everybody does. So that was kind of nice. But Chris, uh, some of your thoughts on number two four here? Worst piece of garbage oh. I've ever seen. Where did they get their writing degrees? I could write something better from on my toilet. Yes, <laughs> they should read some of my fanfic on toilet paper. On, it's on fanfiction.net. <laughs> no, um. What I liked about this episode, even though something people complained about, is you know when Setsuna goes out with the Trans Am burst, that uh, oh it's a Dusex Machina and blah blah blah, yeah. it just magically fixed everything. No, it didn't. You really have to just pay attention and not be ready to start bitching about it the second it happens. Mm-hmm. And you'd actually see what happened. It didn't magically fix everything. It just broke down the barriers people had put up and gave yeah. them no excuse to do anything other than get through their problem. Yeah. Exactly. You know, like in the case of Billy, you know, he he obviously had the hots for Sumeragi for many years. He felt jilted by her when he found out that she was in Celestial Being. And he just became irrationally angry after that. And it mm-hmm. was stupid. And breaking down those barriers forced him to confront that stupidity. Exactly. You know, it was the same thing with all these other people. Uh, Louise and Saji, she just was crazy about the Gundams and finally got snapped back to her senses when she saw that uh, Saji still had the uh, the ring and he saw that she still had her ring. So even with uh, with Andre, and I commend the show for... You know, for even with such a pain in the ass character like him, they didn't just forget about him. You know, or they they even wrapped up his little mini arc that's been developing since the minute he showed up. Mm-hmm. Or kill him, because that would have been kill. the easy way. That yeah, there would have been no lesson learned there at all. Now he has to live with knowing what he's done. Right. Exactly. So I didn't see it as a Deus Ex Machina at all because it didn't solve the problems. It just gave people the opportunity to solve their problems, but they still had to step through that door on their own. It's not like the GN particles forced them to do anything. So that, that was one thing. Also, the fact that all of these things were resolved here, um, I like that they took care of it in this episode because in a lot of other shows, this would all be happening in the final episode at the same time that the last duel is happening, which you know takes up a lot of time. Yeah. So the fact that this was all wrapped up here gives a lot more breathing room to the finale. Obviously, one of the big things here was... Um, Ali's death and you know people have been building up expectations about this guy for for so so long and you know people were complaining that he was underusing this season which I don't agree with because you know it, it's a tradition in many mecha shows especially Gundam that with these enemy aces 
you don't trot them out every single episode because they become stale and annoying. Yeah, or loser villain. Yeah, it's, you it's, have them go away for a while. What they did with him is the same thing they did with Yazan Gable. I mean, except that, you know, Yazan didn't die, but, you know, <laughs> he, you saw him every so often, and he had an impact when he was there. He, his awesomeness died. Exactly. Which is about the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I don't think that Ali was underutilized. You know, he was a big player in, in season one. But let's not forget, Ali was never the main villain. He's always just the happy henchman. Yeah. And in terms of, you know, Lyle killing him, I think that was the most fitting because this guy basically destroyed the Delandy family, mm-hmm. yeah. killing off the parents, the sister, killing off Neil. So if anyone had the most cause, even more than Setsuna, it would be a Delandy. And he showed his skills. He beat him down with his wrecked Gundam. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he shot the guy. The guy died as he lived. And, you know, people have, I think the problem is that fans build up so many crazy expectations in their head about, you know, expecting how things should go that when it goes another way, they just can't accept that. I mean, what, what do you want from this guy? Like, do you want some, like, super ginormous battle where the Gundams are, like, ripping each other to pieces and there's, like, angel choir voices in the background and what there's, want? like, lightning strikes and... <laughs> and I mean, how, what, what battle is there supposed to be to kill Ali? Apparently, this is exactly the way he should have died. I, I think, I think the, the big problem is with that is what you, make, what you said about him makes sense, but I think a lot of people feel that maybe Setsna should have killed him because he's the one that brought Setsna into this life. And that's kind of the impression that I got. But once again, I mean, as for all the bad, horrible things he did to Setsna, mm-hmm. I mean, he basically really destroyed everything that um, Lyle had in his life. You know, he took every yeah. component yeah. of his family away. I mean, Setsna, he took his family away by his own hand. By his own hand. So, he only had himself to blame for that. But, and and uh, the situations in Setsna's life are as much, you know, what was done to him by Ali as was done backhandedly by ribbons so yeah Yeah. you know ribbons is his rival because of all the stuff that he's done so you know you can't have sets in a takedown everybody because then that would be rather like god modish you know this guy takes (laughs) over and everyone else becomes useless so you know it was a way for lyle to be relevant and to you know accomplish something that he needed to do what were they expecting spike versus vicious so uh, (laughs) one thing that bothered me about this episode and i don't even know how this happened the way that episode 23 ends with tieria pulling a gun on uh, ribbons and then like magically it just completely reverses tieria doesn't have a gun then ribbons does and then ribbons blows tieria away yeah that was the only thing about this episode that bothered me it's like how the hell did that happen gm particles that's the way you explain it I guess uh, Ribbon's like he pulled a Magneto and snatched it out of Tiaria's hand and then shot him with it. He is an innovator. <laughs> I guess he's he's a mutant too. But uh, overall, as as a penultimate episode, I think uh, this is this one of the best because it wraps up a lot of things and doesn't leave them dangling and stuff that into the final episode. Yeah. We can exactly. just have an action episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Solbro, did you like this episode? Oh, it was lovely. <laughs> It was enjoyable. I, 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 I enjoyed this episode a great deal, and I'm, I'm a sucker for um, loose ends getting tied up. And they entertained me thoroughly with this episode. I, I, have, to, I have to rank wow. it as one of the, one of the um, season's best. Man, he, he's not going to stop on this one. Hey, hey. There so you go. It must be really good then. So I guess, Chris, uh, this we could be in the home stretch here. We are, which takes us to episode 25, the last episode of Gundam 00 Evar. Oh. Yay! Yay! And that is Rebirth. 
Setsuna basically uh, is fighting Ribbons, who has this gun cannon-looking mobile suit. And as they're fighting, you know, the other uh, Gundams, they get their orders to launch. Alleluia's visiting uh, with Mari in the hospital briefly, and Lakon's getting back into his uh, busted-up Karadim. Mm-hmm. So as Setsuna and uh, Ribbons are fighting, the gun cannon, or as it's <laughs> called, the uh, Reborns cannon, <laughs> transforms into the Reborns Gundam. It's sort of like a two-in-one mobile suit, which surprises uh, Setsuna because it has uh, two uh, two uh, fake drives. As they're fighting, Revive and Hilling join in, so it's uh, three-on-one against Setsuna. But then Lakon and Hallelujah arrive, and things become fun because Hallelujah has joined the battle and yes. uh, proceeds to just mess with Hilling in exactly the way she deserved for being basically the little bitch that she is. Yep. Yep. And starts off by uh, cutting off one of her arms ripping off the uh, core fighter so that she can't escape. Nice. And then wonderfully finishing it off with uh, the Camille special. Yeah. <laughs> Without the mind rape, though. Without the mind rape, but he does the Camille special, and, uh, you know, she just so pathetically cries out for Ribbons to save her, and, you know, that death's very fitting because she always liked to toy with her prey, yada, yada, but uh, didn't take it to take to it so kindly when it was done to her exactly at the same time lock on in the really 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 busted up Karadim taking on revive who busted up even more i mean you've got like the face practically all busted up and it's down to like a couple of fingers on one arm and just as he's going in for the killing blow lock on masterfully uses transam for a split second to simply move out of the way and then use his remaining beam pistol at point-blank range to just blow Revive away, which was just awesome. It was gangster. You still got Setsuna fighting Ribbons, who is now busting out fangs on top of, like, cannons and beam rifles and sabers and all this other junk and claws. And Alleluia joins the battle, but he gets taken out instantly by the fangs, sadly. And uh, with this, it's literally left down to Setsuna and Ribbons because, you know, most Gundam Final Battles, you have a war raging, but there literally are no other combatants left other than these two guys, which is quite a departure for a Gundam show. And um, they start going into Trans Am, and things start to get all crazy. And finally, it ends with uh, Ribbons doing something that I've been anticipating the entire season, which is someone cuts off the Double O's arm <laughs> and thus swipes a GN drive. So uh, Ribbons is so happy now that he has a real GN drive. Unfortunately, his suit's all busted up and breaks down. But he happens to spot a certain suit floating in the dock there that was abandoned, a certain O-Gundam, of which he was the original pilot. And he takes that Jack GN drive, which, by the way, was the O-Gundam's GN drive, I should add. Oh, right on. That's cool. Yeah, because remember, the double O was powered by the GN drives of the O and Axia. From from the O and Axia. That that is really fitting. Yeah, and the O-Gundam's GN drive was on the left arm of double O. What? So, yeah, nice little thing there. So he plugs that in, and now he's flying around in the RX-78-ed O-Gundam. <laughs> We're a shark. Yeah, exactly. And then he finds the uh, totally, totally wrecked to shreds double O-Riser, mm-hmm. but notices that its remaining GN drive is gone. And then he sees a whole trail of GN particles come in, and it's uh, the good old Exia fully repaired. And it basically comes down to now the first ever in Gundam end-of-series downgrade for both the hero and the villain, downgrading two Gundams they both previously used. 
So now you have on the moon basically a smackdown, a wrestling, <laughs> uh, uh, a zero G wrestling smackdown between Exia and the O Gundam, and uh, Ribbons. It's it's performs pretty well, uh, given that he's got the oldest mobile suit ever. And um, nice little homage to Gundam, original Gundam. They both slice open each other's cockpits. Mm-hmm. This is no Saku boy. <laughs> <laughs> this is no Gundam boy. No Gundam. <laughs> And uh, you got the, the final charge with uh, Setsuna doing the, the stabbies on uh, O Gundam, and it explodes. Mm-hmm. Although we don't see what happens to Ribbons. So after this final battle, Alaz is uh, disbanded. There's a new Federation president, a woman, President Alice Allison Taylor of 24. That's what I was going to say, Madam President. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she outlines that uh, you know the Federation's going to be changing its tune. You've got Saji with uh, Louise. She's recovering now from her uh, her you know craziness now that her uh, GN cancer is gone. For whatever reason, Katie decides to give in and marries Patrick, who's surprisingly alive. <laughs> yes, well, the guy has a cockpit. He, he, he pulled the exact same trick from the end of season one. I don't know why anyone didn't see this happening. Oh, uh, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Billy's back in the friend zone with Zumaragi because he's he's just got a little picture with her and he's oh. off doing this little thing. And Graham stops by for a two second visit. Oh man, you think, Duke boys you think are Billy's in her top friends of space. MySpace or space Facebook? Face MySpace. Spacebook <laughs> yeah. because it's because it's in the it's in the future, so it has to have space. I, I I don't know. Maybe he's not. Maybe he's on our block list because he's he keeps asking to see like uh, nudes. Oh. oh. As you see this whole epilogue unfold, there's all sorts of uh, strangely purple and and red and uh, green haired looking people yep. all over the world. And Alleluia and Marie, they go backpacking across Europe. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they graduated. They graduated. High school graduation, so they went to backpacking. Going to sow some wild oats. Maybe. Marina's back in his out of stand. She's become the uh, the queen again because uh, the Federation has, you know, turned over the Middle East back to these countries, and she's got her, her little orphanage with her, and everyone's happy. And then, um, you know, the Ptolemaeus heads up into space with Sumeragi and Setsuna and Lakan because they have another mission to do. And way, way, way far away in Jupiter, there's a couple of green lights glowing. Oh, oh man. Is it Ziendo? Is it Zapawa? It might be Zapawa. <laughs> Something's rotten in Jupiter, man. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, let, let, let's, we're not going to end with uh, Sobro. Cause he'll, he'll end it up for us with his I liked it. So you first, Paul. You know, like you said, it was really great to see the fact that they kept Exia. You know, you've been wondering since pretty much when did Exia get retired? Like what, season two or episode first two? First episode of season two. Yeah. yeah. So it's like... You've been wondering where the heck that it's been. And it would make sense that even though it is an older suit, it still has some use. And right. it would make sense that they rebuilt it. And like you said, it, it, it was pretty cool to see that. And that the final battle when they're just, you know, on the moon and, you know, you got Setsna with the GM blade in front of him. And then you have basically the O Gundam with the shield and the beam saver looking so much like the RX-78. Oh, I'm like, man. what the eerie. heck? That was really cool. And it, it kind of harkened back a little bit to... To, uh, the season R2 of Kogias, even though they didn't go to old suits, but they, you know, Callan and uh, Suzaku had that fight where it was just, it was back to the way it was. They were ground you know, All the gimmicks are gone. Yeah, there's no, no trans, you know, in this case, there was no Trans Am, no yeah. fancy weapons. It was just, you know, you and me on the rifles and beat sabers. Yeah. You would get to see the, the nice little epilogue. It was nice to see, um, 
Alleluia, finally, you know, it seems that he's out of celestial being, you know, at least he's not active with them anymore. Tiaria, of course, he's, you know, floating around in Veda space there. Um, and, you <laughs> what know, were you it, saying about the, um, the wedding before we recorded? Oh, <laughs> the, the, the wedding with uh, Katia and Patrick, it, it, it was a nice wedding, but it's still not Max and Miria. That was that's still the the wedding of weddings when it comes to Mecca shows. The epic wedding, because I mean, as I was telling Solbro, what is it in, in Macross Seven? I mean, they're, they're, they had like they they show it on TV, mm-hmm. like it's like the the uh, the epicenter event in the whole UN spacey Macross world, <laughs> that which a, is much more awesome looking than the 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 hideous way it was animated in the original series. Oh, I know. <laughs> Yeah, it was terrible in the That's the series. wedding that set the bar. That, that's that's outsourcing if there ever was any. But um, you know, back to Double O, we we get to see um, you know, Celestial being just kind of like what they did at the end of season one. They met their achievement of um, trying to get the world united. The first time it happened, it didn't work out too well. So I guess we'll we'll have to see what happens here. And you know, it it was just a real nice epilogue, and it was also nice to see that uh, Homer. Got you know he commits seppanku. Oh man, did he ever? Yeah, he's completely, nasty uh, completely, um, <laughs> completely samurized there. Uh, Billy's got no family left. So right. yeah, that's it in there. So Chris or Solbro, I'll, I'll jump in next because Solbro will ruin everything. I will. So I'd have to say, uh, having watched this episode several times, it's probably one of the best Gundam finales I've ever seen. Because as I said before, you know, since all of these things got uh, taken care of in the second to last episode, you know, you didn't have like in other shows like uh, say in the case of seed where it's like there's all this stuff they're trying to resolve up until the very last minute and it's like the second the fighting ends the series ends i really hate endings like that yeah in the original series couldn't be helped because the show got canceled but i'm just not a big fan of, of you know these kind of endings that just leave everything hanging so it was nice that they left enough space to do an epilogue and wrap things up but also uh, leave some some hints for stuff since, of course, there is going to be a, a Double O movie coming out in 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I really enjoyed was this this sort of knockdown drag out fight between Setsuna and Ribbons across both suits because you know one of the complaints that's been around ever since Double uh, O Riser appeared is that it's this untouchable god machine. Well, apparently it's not because Ribbons with his mobile suit with two fake drives. I mean, he tore the Double O Riser to shreds. Yeah, he did. <laughs> I mean, this thing was like. Is barely like a torso and like one arm by the time that uh, Ribbons was done with it. And, and no, no head. head. So anyone who, who claims that Double uh, O Riser is an untouchable god machine, well, there's your proof that it isn't. Yeah, because Strike Freedom did not get damaged. Oh. Strike Freedom uh, got like uh, is a flawless victory. Maybe it got, got, a, got, it got a perfect. I think Kira like scratched the paint when he when he launched and a little smudge on the cheek damage they got (laughs) yeah it was nice that alleluia and lakan got to take part in this uh final battle as well and taking out uh, those two little bastard innovators yeah it was good that they got their due and didn't get tossed to the side you know with uh dragon ball z syndrome (laughs) and just become spectators (laughs) come on goku and that pretty much is is my thoughts for the episode so soul bro so bro oh man i get to come in freaking blow up the spot nice no, it was um this this episode. I have to agree with you, Chris. It was well executed. I think they took a a page out of Tomino's notebook on this one, where how to, how to do a real ending. I mean, I think um 
one of the best finales in the Gundam series is probably Turn A Gundam. And it kind of took a little bit from that where you had like the final battle was concentrated upon, but you had more after that. And that's what I love to see in the show where you have a resolution towards the end. Even if it leaves a little bit to be wondered about, like um, the dead ringer for a new in the at the parliament during the um, the new president's speech. That's something that's going to get I'm sure that's got people talking. And of course, like you mentioned, the um, the people with the crazy hair colors around the world, they, every every shot they showed around the world, they made sure to show somebody with an odd, you know, someone who would stand out with an odd hair color. What really bothered me at the end is when you saw um, Marina and they show that upward shot of the sky and there's that person that looks kind of like ribbons. Of course, yeah. it's not ribbons, but kind of like ribbons, got the same hairstyle, same hair color. And it looks like, you know, just a happy citizen, but he could be a plant. And all those people could be plants. And it makes me wonder what they're going to be doing in the movie or even if that's, that'll be touched upon in the movie. Then, of course, there's the whole Jupiter angle right after the credits. And, of course, we know nothing what that's about, but then we get the little ad about the new movie that'll be out in 2010. So I'm sure that'll have something to do with it. Of course, the coolest thing about this episode is the Dukaroo on the moon, man. I got to say, I, I mean, I mean, it got it, it was the swords were involved. Then they started doing judo. It was just it was it was just really intimate how close that fight was. And um, they seem to be evenly matching those old suits, too. When I first watched the episode, I didn't notice that Sumeragi actually sent out the Exia. She just said to launch something. And I didn't make the connection until after I watched it. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. Because I wondered where the Exia came from. It's like, how the hell did you find it out there? I'm, I'm dense. What can I say? The, all the little resolutions toward the end. I also like the fact that um, Marina wrote Setsuna a letter in this one, which is the opposite of season one, where Setsuna wrote her a letter in case of his death, I guess. But, you know, she has hopes for the new world and, and the fact that mankind is moving in the right direction. And I just, it was a great note to end the series on. Um, I loved it. I thought it was diggable planets this episode <laughs> so so you liked it i did i liked it so since we're since we're already here in this segment why don't we briefly in five minutes or less each just do our overall thoughts on the entire show and i'll, I'll kick it to you first neo uh overall show sucks no <laughs> doesn't suck very good show overall like i said i think when we talked about the end of season one i was actually i would not have been uh had a problem if it would have ended at that point mm-hmm. um as much as it was a departure in season one, it ended up becoming a Gundam show in season two, which there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, and, and people shouldn't take it like, you know, it's like, oh, it's the suck. But it became, <laughs> you know, it was it was a different show season one. And then it just harkened back to, you know, what it is. It's a Gundam show. You have to you have to pay homage if you're going to have that name, you know, for what you are. Season two, though, is a little bit like um, it's the reverse of like uh, Kogi SR2 with me, where that one started off a little slow and ended up pretty fast paced. This one ended. I, I was it was a little bit more intense for me in the beginning, even though it had a great ending. The ending was, still wasn't as intense as season one, and I still didn't have the full intensity that I had the beginning of season one, uh, season two. In terms of top five Gundam, my top five Gundam shows, uh, it can't crack it yet. Oh. I, I think it's, um, you know, mine go first Gundam, Zeta, X, G, and Turn A. And it's funny because I actually watched, uh, rewatched Zeta and uh, Turn A during the time of season two of Double O. And I mean, I'm just like, you know, it, it just can't. 
it can't crack it. And it, I'd have to revisit it in a couple of years because that's going to be the true testament of the show is, does it still work five or 10 years from now? Is it still going to invoke the same feelings or even, even more better ones? I believe that it was the best follow-up, though, for the, the problem that was Destiny. I know <laughs> Destiny was a very popular show in Japan, but I think Destiny killed the appeal of Gundam throughout the rest of the world. And if they went to the route of having a repeat, if this was a repeat of Destiny, I think it might have been the end of pretty much the appeal of Gundam outside of the, the country of Japan. I probably would have held back if that's what I went through. If this was Destiny Part 2, I'd have been like, I would not have been looking forward to the next new show. Mm. Um, I'm looking forward to the movie. I hope that it's a solid separate story you know but we'll see i'm not going to really speculate but in terms of like uh, a rating scale i would say maybe a little under a four um were there things i liked about it yeah there's some things i didn't like about it but that's everything and i think it's helped because it's really revitalized the feeling of gundam through the countries outside of japan and i think that's what sunrise needed and what bandai needed and um but all these people that were saying oh should have been this way or it was a suck. I, you know, I don't see it. I mean, it, it just wasn't, like I said, it's not perfect, but it's, it's not a horrible piece of crap either. I mean, there's, other than that, I mean, there's not much more I can say. Sucks. <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> yeah, I would say, you know, through, through the whole roller coaster of these last year and a half, that Double O has certainly, you know, gone a whole bunch of new directions that Gunnaman shows haven't gone in before. It, it, you certainly can't pigeonhole it in. In just you know one category is oh it did just the same thing as these other shows, and you know there certainly have been lots and lots and lots of complaints about the direction season two went. You know, people who are determined to hate this show, season one they just called it a cheap wing ripoff, and season two they called it a cheap Zeta ripoff. And if you're determined to hate something, you're just going to ignore what the show actually does and just have your own troll perception of what the show is. <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm not going to get into this whole thing of, you know, the show's merits, but, you know, I think the show stands for itself, and, you know, all of the, you know, whiny trolls on 4chan or wherever, the ones who don't have legitimate complaints but just want to hate for the sake of hating, you know, and say that it's horrible writing, worse writing, no writing, worse than Destiny, worse Gundam, blah, 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 blah. You know what? Please shut the hell up. No one cares about your stupid-ass troll opinions, and, you know, I enjoyed the show from beginning to end. Sure, there are legitimate complaints about it. Not everything was perfect in either season. You know, yeah. there, there were, you know it's not like season one is suddenly now with, you know, look back on as uh, this perfect masterpiece and season two's terrible, yet yeah. these same trolls were complaining about season one when it was airing, and exactly. they were complaining about Code Geass and Frontier before this. And now that this is over, they're complaining about something else. And when that's over, they'll complain about something else. So I don't take stock in all of the hate that English-speaking fans suddenly have for Double O. Or I should say the small minority, because for all I know, it's just the same small group of people spreading the same hatred on just a couple of different websites. So for me, I enjoyed the show. It's not in my top five. I would say it's probably number six. You know, I found both seasons to be great shows. And even if the show ended just the way it is now and there was no movie sequel, I would think that it ended just fine. Yeah. You know, we got answers to almost all of the main questions. You know, we know that Aeolia's plan was to unite humanity and you know, have them give up their ways of war to lead to innovation and to prepare for uh, you know, meetings with aliens in the future. So that's obviously a new direction for Gundam. And, you know, there's this whole mystery of Jupiter, which is probably going to be the fodder for 
this movie, but I still think the series is totally solid on its own, with or without this movie, and this is definitely a show that five or ten years from now, I think I will probably still be enjoying. So, Solbro, you get to finish us off. Oh, man, I get to write us out. The um, last time we will ever talk about Double O. Well, I, better, I better save at this moment. I, Savor I, it like T-bone steak. I will. I will. Every bite. <laughs> this show really wowed me. I, I from start to finish. Um, I, I I will say that seasons one's finale was a bit more exhilarating than season two's. But season two had a big job to do, and that was to tie everything up. And you know, it was everything was crescendoing towards this. For the most part, the show presented characters that were that you never saw in the Gundam series before. And if you did see them, they were done differently. Like Graham, he was kind of like we finally got to see the start of a Shar. And granted, he wasn't exactly like Shar. You got to see, you know, the start of a mass man, his origin. It's, it was the origin of a lot of things. And that was never that was never presented in a Gundam series before. We never got to see the before factor. Never have I seen a Gundam series that was closer to our day and age than this one. And that was really cool to see. It was even in our timeline, just way in the future. But there's a real big message of hope in this show. And I like that about this. It's not what you see in the normal Gundams or a lot of Gundam series where it's a lot of doom and gloom and really no hope for the future. Although, you know, you get a glimpse of it. But um, in this one, you know, you can see that mankind will end up in a better light. Um, I don't know about that. But you don't think so? No. I, I don't know. I mean, that was, I mean, that was I, a whole I, I angle say, of the I would say Schindler. the the biggest, if you're going to go by Gundam shows, the, the quintessential is, is turn A. Turn A? That's, well, that's the that's the I, that's the turn quintessential thing. Yeah, hope, hope right was there. a big factor in that one too, and that one ended on a much brighter note. But still, I give this show props on that. It's writing. Um, Mizushima, he did a great job. He didn't mismanage the um, the writing on this show at all. It, it it seemed like a well oiled machine. There were some down. There were some you know some things that we that we bitched about throughout the course of our reviews. But for the most part, it it paled in comparison to the to the previous outing of Gundam, which was Destiny. And um, it, it it put a better taste in our mouths for Gundam, and um, I, I forever thank him for that. I look forward to the movie to see what he has going on in that. But for the most part, this series was absolute fun from start to finish, and I think it was a well put together package. And I hope that um, this team will do another Gundam series in the far future. Yeah, and, very uh, far future. And <laughs> and uh, one last thing, um, Saji Crossroad. What can I say? He's gay. He, <laughs> He, he was he was still my 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 favorite enduring character of the show. Wow! And um, he was he was enjoyable. Uh, he was the normal guy in the suit. He even said Hashin Shimas, which um, a lot of the old school Gundam pilots would say before they launched. Hey, I'm just saying. But um, love this character, despite his flaws. You're welcome. Wow. So now that Double O is over, can we put our King Arthur to rest and, and yeah. send him off to? To Avalon, he's on his little his little beer, and and he's just floating away. <laughs> King Arthur forever, sort of yeah, orderly, pretty much. Orderly did waiting for the time that he'll be called back, but hopefully never. Aside yeah. aside from the occasional mentioning of him, I I will I will I will put him up for now. Okay, can we can we bury him, please? Yeah, <laughs> gone, going off into the into that horizon. <laughs> I can't promise nothing, but I'll, I'll I'll try. And maybe that's the best we can ever hope for on this show. Nice, so nice, nice political non-answer. I think you have a future in politics, uh, Solbro. Let's hope. It What's pays up? well. Oh, jeez. I look forward to blah, 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 blah. Maybe you could be a, a sports coach. 110%, one game at a time. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I'll look they, into that. They, they wanted to win more than we did. Yeah. We're focused on, on winning now. We're just focused on, on, on working on our skills. We just take one day at a time. And, I get and that's the, all we do. I get the throw in there. You played like poop! 
All right, so <laughs> that brings to an end from episode one to episode what now thirty three? Yes. Yeah. Episode a year and a half of discussion of Gundam Double O, even predating my arrival on this show. Yeah. So with that, we bid you adieu, and you're listening to Gundam at MAHQ. <laughs> Describe what Marcellus Wallace looks like. What? Say what again. Say what again. I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. So my guess though, he has a lot of parts of the funny What the hell is he talking about? Do, 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 when do when you me not... show watch that shit, we laughed all day long. <laughs> yeah. Because it's so old and it's so well You drumming elitist. Exactly. Exactly. Don't you dare laugh at Gundam. Oh god, it's so serious. You want some chocolate? I'm the Vince of it. I bet you told me to laugh at that. I mean, even Jesus laughs at people, and he loves Gundam. So why can't we laugh at Gundam? Do you not have the Robotech one on there? Because I, th- well, I got them all up. To me, that's still the best one. When it comes, yeah. That's my second video, too. That's because that's Mac and it's round. Even when the record skips, I still grip. I still grip. That's right. No way. His best AMV is Bernie's Lament. Shut the <laughs> no, it's, no, it's not, favorite. everybody. That is my personal favorite. It is damn low approved. Everybody has their favorite. Oh. Good night. You're the worst damn. person here. I swear to you. What did he say? Oh, yeah, damn. he's the name. worst person for saying that. See, it's cool. You know what? You said it first, though. I must say. Thank you. you, you what did you, you say? say <laughs> All right. Sorry. What did he say? Now finish the. Finish the oh, always, it always is. keep a lookout for Bernie's Lament 2.0. Okay. Look, <laughs> Bernie's the remix. was an AMV I made to Gundam, hey, Gundam 0080, which has two characters. It's two late, characters. I'm drunk. A, a 12-year-old boy. <laughs> a 12-year-old <laughs> boy. boy. Who, looks at, who looks at war as a game. Mm-hmm. He With very soul. short shorts. <laughs> Where he, yes. does wear, he does wear high booty shorts. It's the 80s. God damn it, everybody wore for a 20-year-old dude Especially 12-year-old boys. Talking to a 12-year-old boy in short shorts. It's in disguise. Wow. You know, I'm going to stop talking. Hey, dude. Let's go bold. End of discussion. Debate is over. You will write a formal apology. I will what? A formal apology. You will kowtow. You will step and fetch. Frank, if you think you can get take me. Get used to it. It's the way of the world. If you're so hot on discipline, then Gun- damn it, start by accepting mine. Because contrary to popular opinion, I'm the head <clears throat> in charge. Come on, let's get something to eat. You really think you're bad, don't you? I remember how you used to say It's fantastic Hey everybody, welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. You are listening to what will be our final episode now that Double O is over and Gundam Roundup is over. There's no need for us to exist anymore, so uh, we're going to be signing off now. No, yeah. actually, like I said, we're coming back as Space Robot 15 <laughs> at MHQ. Peace. I thought that was a cool name. It's got space in it and numbers, and that works. Please don't send us panicked emails about the end of 
of Gundam because if anything, we'll at least just fire Adam before we ever end the show. So, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, see. Or no, see, he's he's the soul bro. <laughs> so you got an emergency plan in place, and then, and then we'll give Peter his chance to, to be a big time podcast superstar. Peter so, from hey. Windsor, you're up. <laughs> no, Larry King's going to be in retirement. He can't be on the show. Oh. So, in this episode, it was rather momentous for us because, you know, after a, a, a year and a half, you know, ever since the very first episode discussing Gundam 00, we finally reached the end with reviews for episodes 19 to 25 of season 2. And we also wrapped up our 20 installment discussion series Gundam Roundup with um, discussion of Stargazer featuring uh, hater number one Austin Blake. The general. So after uh, this overload of Gundam we'll be taking a break uh, for a while for a few episodes. We're going to be mixing it up with some stuff that we've been meaning to get to but haven't like uh, Gal Gygar and uh, some other shows and we'll eventually get back to Gundam at some point but after all we've said in the last year and a half what more can we say for now until something new comes out. It almost seems like there's something missing from the show now that we won't have to do reviews like this and especially reviews for a Gundam show it's like man maybe we should just stop this thing why does it even exist don't panic people please it's an end of an era but don't worry we're gonna come back like a phoenix we're coming with new material I'm excited actually I'm really excited first comes the destruction and then comes the rebirth yeah (laughs) we will continue podcasting with our audio interventions there we go The Straight Talk Express will still continue on. The celestial being of podcasts. Yes. The childhood of podcasting ends. <laughs> <laughs> nice. We're, we're heading nice. to Jupiter. We're going to nice be podcasting finish. from Jupiter. Yes. We're leaving Florida. Our next podcast will be from the ISS. That'd be kind of cool. That would be kind of cool. Except but. I'm not drinking my own pee, man. Oh, my God. Because, well, they got, remember, I don't know if they yeah, had that thing where they were they were having problems with that machine that yeah. wouldn't, uh, that was supposed to recycle their pee. I still think it was the astronaut saying, the hell with this, I'm not drinking my own pee. We're <laughs> just going to sabotage this. Screw you, NASA. Okay. But. So, um, with that, uh, a chapter closes on the, uh, the world of Gundam and another opens. So, we'll be signing off. But first, uh, Solbro, uh, why don't you give people some, some information about how to uh, peep the sites? I'd be glad to. The first website you should definitely peep is mahq.net, the home of it all. Also, Gundam.net for your latest news on the episodes of Gundam and the latest releases. Also, mechatalk.net is the forum where it all happens. Post your thoughts up on episodes or your thoughts up on anything mech-related. You can find us on iTunes, Facebook, MySpace. Is there something electronic that we're not hooked up to? I, I know, man. We're, we're everywhere. It's Zoom also um what like i said whatever that is and of course you can find mahq on twitter by going to twitter.com slash mahq d-o-t-n-e-t and i just have a little bit of digital dap to give to two um people props to uh kaioshin sama for spreading a good word uh, about us on different websites and whatnot man um Thank you for all the compliments and, and for, for turning other people onto our show. Keep and fighting the good fight. Keep fighting the good fight. Also, I'd like to thank YouTube user rrobert184 for his endorsement of us. He made a video uh, talking about um, what's a great show to listen to when you build What was his name again? His name's rrobert184. I'm rrobert184, and I endorse this message. There you go. There you go. He made an awesome video that advertised our show and that it's great to listen to when building models. And he has a, he has a really cool YouTube channel. You should check it out. He's built a lot of models and he has a, a just introspectives on each one and how he built it and what he did to detail it and I, I I think everybody should check that out when you have time. Also you can send us any kind of feedback and whatnot to gundammahq at gmail.com. I just would like to thank all the trolls for being stupid and ridiculous. 
because you, you provide myself, Chris, and Solbro with hours and hours of entertainment on air and off. So just keep it up, guys. It would be the same without you. <laughs> okay. And while we're thanking people, two quick ones for me. Uh, first, I'd like to thank our good friend, uh, Edwin Paradin, who nice. uh, came up with a nice background for our Twitter account. So if you go to uh, to that, you'll see a nice little Votomes background that he whipped up for us. So nice. Many thanks for him for sprucing that up and giving us our own little distinct flavor on Twitter. Also, you've probably seen uh, Mechatalk got a bit of an upgrade, and we're still in the process of switching out to our eventual final look, but thanks to Dale for spearheading some of the technical issues that we had with the uh, upgrade. Everyone knows what those were, and for giving us a nice little uh, paint job that uh, doesn't blind our eyes when we go to the forum. So <laughs> many thanks for him for toiling in the background on that. And gentlemen, if you have nothing else to to uh, add that closes up episode 33 you're listening to Gundam at MAHQ get ready to assemble activate interlock dinotherms connected Gundam at MHQ is a Shinjuku station in the MHQ production. <laughs>